Hi, my name is Chris Brennan, and you're listening to the Astrology Podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Lisa Scheim, and we're going to be going over uh, a retrospective about Saturn returns that have happened in Capricorn over the past three years since Saturn has been transiting through that sign. And people who were born with Saturn in the sign of Capricorn had Saturn return back to its natal location and some of the experiences that come along with the Saturn return. So we're gonna do um, we're gonna spend a little bit of time at the beginning reviewing some of our basic um, interpretive principles surrounding Saturn returns in a birth chart, and then we're gonna jump into going through a series of um, examples that were sent in by listeners of the podcast over the past few months of people talking about what their experience has been with the Saturn return, based especially on where it's placed and what its condition is in their birth chart. And we're gonna try to structure this by going through. Some of the stories we're given, like let's say two to three stories each for Saturn being placed in each of the 12 houses. Um, so most of them were sent in by listeners. We've also got some celebrity charts that we'll throw in. Um, unfortunately, thanks to everybody who sent in questions and Saturn return stories, we won't be able to get to all of them because we received over a hundred different submissions, I think. Mm-hmm. We do have a good chunk of those in here today, but we apologize to anybody whose whose story we didn't get to, and, and thanks to everyone who sent them in regardless. Mm-hmm. And it really did help us prepare um, regardless of whether your story is shared today, so thank you for that. Yeah. All right. Um, so I should say the date. So today is Saturday, right? Yes. December 12th, 2020, starting, I must have started a minute or so ago, so it's 2.39 p.m. in Denver, Colorado now, so we started at 2.38, 2.37 mm-hmm. with... Jupiter and Saturn on the midheaven here in Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we go ahead and jump right into this? Okay, sounds good. So let's start with some of the basic principles. So here's our little Saturn returns in Capricorn title slide. Mm-hmm. So reviewing the basic principles of Saturn returns um, briefly, the Saturn return occurs when Saturn does return to the place it was in in the zodiac when you were born, both by sign and by degree. So we consider the Saturn return um, period from the first time that Saturn enters the sign that it was in when you were born, and then the last time that it leaves the sign that it was in when you were born, even if there are retrogrades in between. Yeah, so there is... um so everybody was born with Saturn in a specific sign of the zodiac. Saturn takes about 27 to 20 to 30 years to go around a complete cycle of the zodiac and come back to where it started. Uh, so the Saturn return is defined both in terms of Saturn returning back to its natal sign of the zodiac as well as its natal degree. Mm-hmm. So in our our practice, we interpret it as occurring for the entire duration of Saturn going th- through its natal sign from the time that it first comes back to the time, the last time that it leaves that sign. Although the period when it gets back to the exact degree is usually the period that's felt as the most intense, where some of the most important events tend to happen, although there's still relevant things happening during that entire period. Mm-hmm. Right. And you'll hear different um, different people talk about different definitions of the Saturn return. But if you do watch, you know, because sometimes people just do it as like the particular degree or a few degree orb around that. Um, But if you do watch Saturn ingress into the sign that was in when you were born, some things do start kicking up right at the beginning, even if they don't fully unfold at that point. Yeah. And part of that has to do with the fact that a a decent bit of what the Saturn return about is Saturn also not just going through the natal sign, but also going through the natal house placement 
um, that it had in your birth chart. Mm -hmm. So if it's returning back to your first house or if it's returning back to a set and return in your 10th house or what have you, it's partially experiencing the significations of that house and some of the things associated with it in your birth chart uh, coming alive in a way that's that's new and different and important. Exactly. So the first time, the first Saturn return, is often considered the most important or the most foundational, at least, because it is the first time you will experience that, which is about age 27 to 30, sometimes 31 for some people. Um, but it does, it is a whole cycle. And so then it starts the second cycle and it will come back around and people will have a second Saturn return between approximately ages 56 to 60, depending on where it was placed exactly when you were born. And then some people will get a third one as well. If you live long enough, that'll be in the late 80s. Yeah. So usually the first Saturn return is considered to be more important. Um, I I think that's true. You're looking at me like that's not <laughs> that's, like that's not true. I mean, I'm not saying it's not important. It. And we're going to mix some examples we got from listeners were from the first Saturn return. I think most of them. Um, there were some that we're going to show that are second Saturn returns. And I think we have one or two that might be third Saturn returns. There's at least one celebrity example I mm -hmm. have of that. Yeah. Uh, why are you Why are you looking at me skeptically about <laughs> well, the first Saturn return being more? Important? I just want to qualify that with a little nuance. It's not to say that I don't think I I do think the first one is more foundational. That's how I would describe it. Um, not necessarily more important than the others per se, but it is kind of novel at that point because it's the first time that you will experience that compared to the second or perhaps third. And so it does, it, it's kind of imprints uh, much more strongly, I think, in your experience, even though the second one event-wise can be very eventful. But I think, and a, a few people I know that wrote in about their second Saturn returns did describe it that way, that they kind of knew more what to expect during right. their second Saturn return because they'd gone through it before. So that's where I would just say it's more foundational. Yeah, well, I think one of the reasons why it's more foundational and sometimes experience is more important because it's the the closing of the first 30-year chapter of your life. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of feelings of endings and new beginnings. And then so it's closing one 30-year chapter of your life, opening another, but it's also often treated by astrologers as like the final passageway or the final doorway into like full-fledged adulthood in some sense. Right. And I think there's something to that where you know, you feel different coming out of it than you did going into it. And there's greater sense of like maturity and hitting a new stride in your life and new life stages and things like that. Mm -hmm. And while you still definitely get some of that with the second Saturn return, there's something very defining about that first one that's um, very unique. I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree on that piece. And, you know, people will often describe it as the final frontier of you know childhood into adulthood, even though technically you're an adult legally much before that. But um, there are still kind of lingering pieces that fully solidify or concretize at that point, I think. Yeah. Um, so we should mention, I forgot to mention that we've done this before. We actually did a review of Saturn and Sagittarius returns with our friend Patrick Watson in late 2017, back in episode 131. And there's actually a video of that on YouTube as well as on the Astrology Podcast website. Mm -hmm. So this is something that we do from time to time. And you and I have had a special and ongoing interest in Saturn Returns because we used to write a blog called SaturnReturnStories.com, mm -hmm. uh, which still exists, but we haven't been blogging as much since I shifted my focus more towards podcasting. Mm -hmm. But it has some good stories and articles for those that are getting ready to go into their Saturn return or want to learn more about it in terms of resources. Mm -hmm. And then I was focusing on it for a while as well, just personally, um, just because I was really focused on Saturnian principles, um, which we'll get into here in a moment. 
So I did some lectures on it and an article um, that got reprinted a few different places. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So in terms of what Saturn signifies natally, um, it's going to activate and bring to maturity whatever it does signify in the birth chart and whatever matters it has rulership or control over, both in a general sense, as like Saturn and its general meanings, as well as in a unique or particular sense in terms of its placement in the birth chart by houses ruling houses and other conditions. What are some significations mm -hmm. of Saturn though that are relevant, um, generally speaking, that that come become more prominent during the Saturn return? Yeah, it could be like a few different paragraphs, but I mean some of the main things that I first think of with Saturnian general significator principles are things that take a long time or things that are unfolding over the long term. So things that aren't quick, basically, because Saturn also rules things like slowness, um, delays, obstacles, not necessarily a no, although sometimes it can be like a no, um, but basically things that are trying, I would say, and that require perseverance, and there's lots of other things. Those are That's the first few, I would say. Yeah, so sometimes trials, setbacks, um, there can be you know two varieties. There's the what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And after a period of strong focus and dedication and perseverance, you eventually overcome and come out of something stronger and wiser than you were when you went into it. There's the other version, though, which is just the brick wall of you've run into an area of your life where you cannot proceed further. And Saturn sort of says no, and you have to sort of turn around or go in a different direction, um, no longer. Being able to proceed down that specific path, mm -hmm, definitely. And there are things like you said where um, you can kind of persevere and get through it. And then there are some things where it's sort of like the acceptance of limitations, which is a Saturn word. Yeah, the acceptance of limitations, um, coming to know one's limitations, coming to know um, sometimes hardships or um, sometimes learning about. Like I, I think we often mention. The book, The Greatness of Saturn, which is like a Vedic astrology parable type mm. book that tells this story that's actually pretty intense, but it's a good story about um, learning and, and gaining wisdom through suffering, essentially. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the <laughs> unique or special type of wisdom that can only come about through having real hardship or loss. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, having a perspective that is different than anything you could have had about that area otherwise. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So all these are Saturn things. We'll come back to some others. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I already mentioned, the idea that this is the end of one 30-year cycle and the beginning of another. So a major theme for Saturn returns in particular is um, endings and beginnings. Yes. So that's a good keyword to use. And then one of the things you can do is focus in on what is the placement and what is the condition of Saturn and birth chart in terms of how will those that theme of endings and beginnings become relevant to you personally in your life. Mm -hmm. So one thing is to look at the house placement that Saturn is, is located in. Right. So the house placement should um, signify many of the major themes or the arenas in which you will have your Saturn return experiences. And the, and the others will be the two houses that Saturn rules. Um, so traditionally, Saturn rules Capricorn and Aquarius. And so you will have two to three house areas or house themes or topics that will come up for your Saturn return. Yeah. So when we're going through these charts, just remember that one of our main interpretive principles is we're looking at the house 
that Saturn is placed in natally is becoming activated, and then the two houses it rules um, as importing topics and activating the topics that it rules at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that's unique about people that have Saturn in Capricorn and Saturn in Aquarius is that because Saturn is in its own sign, it's actually in one of the houses that it rules. So it kind of concentrates things a little bit, mm -hmm. whereas for most other Saturn signs, it spreads them out because it can you know, bring into account three different houses. Mm -hmm. Whereas people, for people, as we'll see today with Saturn and Capricorn, it really just concentrates two houses in particular. True. Although when you get more complex, um, you can also bring in planets that are in a hard aspect to Saturn natally, and the houses those are placed in and rule, ruling, because those will also bring in topics. And I think we'll have a couple examples of that too. Yeah. So, um, what are some of the other things that we take into account? Mitigating factors make a major difference. Well, sect first, I would say. Day yeah, versus night chart. Which is one of the mitigating factors. Sure. So mitigating factors are things that can make things better or worse in terms of the natal placement of the planet. So one of the primary ones that you and I have focused on for many years and that we've found very useful for um, interpreting the quality of the Saturn return and how it's going to be experienced subjectively is whether the person is born with a day chart or a night chart. Mm -hmm. The day chart people, that's really the the kind of experience where you do have like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger or working hard to achieve pinnacles for things you've already been working hard at up to this point. Things of that nature, they usually go a little bit more positively with day charts, subjectively speaking, all other factors being equal. And all, our fa all other factors are not always equal. So, you know, you have to qualify that, of course. Um, but generally speaking, the day chart Saturn returns go a little bit easier. Right. More so constructively. That's something we'll see a little bit in our example charts. Um, other mitigating factors that I'd always seen consistently, and I know you've seen as well, is just if Saturn is in one of its domiciles, which mm -hmm. is Capricorn or Aquarius, or if it's in the sign of its exaltation, which is Libra, mm -hmm. those stories tend to be a little bit more constructive or a little bit more positive Saturn return stories than at other times. Mm -hmm. And that's a general principle that we outlined way back in like episode 13, I think, of the Astrology Podcast, which there's an audio version of on the podcast website. There's not a video version of because that was before we were doing video, but that's mm -hmm. actually our main Saturn return episode. And we're we're kind of just recapitulating really quickly some of the points that we talked about for two hours in that episode. Mm -hmm. Right. But anyways, Saturn in Capricorn. So one of the nice things about some of these stories that we're going to go through today is even though we will see some instances of hardship and difficulty and loss as well as other constructive things, one of the people I remember distinctly at the end of theirs, they were kind of like, isn't the Saturn return supposed to be more difficult because this mm -hmm. wasn't really too bad? Right. And one of the things I would say is I do think there's some element where because people have Saturn in its natal sign and they get that sort of pure expression or a pure essence of Saturn, um, there's some way in which some of these people with Saturn and Capricorn are almost more prepared to deal with some of the themes that come up in, in Saturn returns compared to other people that have Saturn in different signs. And that may be mm -hmm. part of what we're seeing about why the that's experienced as like a, a mitigating condition. Yeah, definitely. Um, it kind of has its own rulership support, and so it doesn't need to lean on like a different ruler. Saturn is in its own sign in Capricorn and Aquarius, and so it's kind of much more straightforward. Right. Okay. So other mitigating conditions are if Saturn is configured to the benefics, Venus and Jupiter, um, in different ways, especially close degree-based aspects, especially if it's being overcome by 
uh, Jupiter in a day chart or Venus in a night chart through a superior square or superior trine, mm. then it will bonify Saturn and it will make it less difficult and it will make the return more constructive and experienced more positively than it might be otherwise. Mm -hmm. Conversely, um, if it's configured to Mars, especially in a day chart, that can sometimes, through a hard aspect like a conjunction, square, or opposition, that can sometimes make the Saturn return more difficult because then that hard aspect with Mars gets act uh, activated at the same time. Mm -hmm, definitely. And you know, we're making that qualitative distinction to say how one might subjectively experience that, either more positively or more constructively or with more hardship or difficulty or struggle. But um, I kind of want to throw in here, make sure that it's clear that that's a qualitative distinction that's quite separate from whether the experience is meaningful for you. And so that's something to keep in mind too, because I think sometimes when we throw out these qualitative distinctions, people can occasionally get a little fixated on like, is my Saturn return going to be good or bad? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to say like, you know, no matter what, people go through many meaningful experiences during their Saturn return, even if there are differences in sort of difficulty. Yeah. And some of the differences in difficulty only become relevant from our standpoint as practitioners of astrologer, as astrologers and practitioners when we're distinguishing between different clients and being able to call and articulate how a Saturn return is going to be experienced ahead of time versus when a person is actually going through it themselves, there's a different level where where some pieces of that maybe are not as relevant. I think it can be validating if someone is particularly struggling, but um, it's not everything is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so there's mitigating conditions. There's a whole episode I did with Michael Ofek at one point earlier in the astrology podcast on mitigating conditions that goes into more stuff like that. So check that out if you want to learn more about that. Um, many You wrote down that many stories mentioned parents or father figures or parent figures uh, needing help or dying. Yeah, because Saturn also as a general significator rules um, limits. Well, mortality is one limit. You know, it's the, the limit of our lifespan. And aging is also a Saturn word. And so um, <clears throat> I just wanted to throw in there that this kind of was a commonality across many um, Saturn return stories that were sent in. It doesn't always have to be that the fourth house of parents or family or the eighth house, which can involve mortality, is um, is brought in to have that experience just because it's a general signification as well of Saturn, no matter where it's placed. Mm -hmm. And so things like <clears throat> you becoming an adult mean, mean that the people who were your um, parent figures are even older right? at that point. Okay. Um, let's see. Other things, the Saturn return can be amplified or altered by things like perfections or other transits. Um, see my previous episodes on annual, annual perfections for more about that. But basically, if the annual perfection comes to the sign that your Saturn is located in or otherwise activates Saturn in some way, that's going to make that Saturn return year more eventful for you than other times. Mm -hmm. Additionally, there's other transits that are going on. This year was actually kind of unique in terms of that as a good example because um, a lot of the Saturn in Capricorn people were having their Saturn returns, but at the same time, there was just like a lot of other stuff going on in Capricorn mm -hmm. where last December in December of in December of 2019, uh, Jupiter ingressed into Capricorn. So it spent the past year there. So the last year, of every Saturn in Capricorn person's Saturn return had Jupiter there. Pluto's also been transiting through Capricorn, and Saturn actually conjoined it um, at the beginning of this year in January of 2020. Then there was that lovely pileup when Mars went in there in like February, mm -hmm. and that piled up in mm -hmm. March, which actually in the US 
coincided with like countrywide lockdowns when all of the planets met up in Capricorn and there was that nice stellium for a little bit in March and almost April. Mm-hmm. So and then on top of that, if that wasn't enough, you also notice the nodal axis was transiting through that, that that sign of Cancer and Capricorn for like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So we also had eclipses bouncing back and forth uh, between Capricorn and Cancer for like a year and a half as well. Right. So, which was just emphasizing the, that sign in everybody's chart even more. So, um, you know, that's what I mean when I say that sometimes transits can amplify. Things in terms of the Saturn return, or put even more emphasis on that as being an important transit. Um, in other times, though, we should mention that sometimes they can put or bring the emphasis to other areas of the chart that have nothing to do with the Saturn return. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that in some of the examples that we share, where just any other simultaneous transits that are going on in other houses in the chart will be brought into the Saturn return experience and somehow and sometimes become kind of more important or more um, crystallizing to that several year period than they would be otherwise if they were not simultaneous to the Saturn return. Yeah. Exactly. So like a major Uranus transit through a house mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. And I want to say with the um, perfections, um, emphasizing or not as emphasizing some of those things, it's just we're not going to be able to touch on this today. But any other Time Lord um, techniques also are brought in Time Lord periods because I've noticed that can make a huge difference in people's Saturn returns depending on like what's completely separately going on in like their zodiacal releasing, for instance, if they're like in a major career period or not or things like that. Right. Yeah, so just something to keep in mind that there are other factors as well. Definitely. All right, let me cycle through some of the other images I had. Oh yeah, this is when like those transits went exact in the Capricorn transits with you know Jupiter hitting Pluto and Mars hitting Saturn and everything else in the spring. Mm-hmm. June, July, there's that eclipse that occurred in Capricorn on the 5th of July, which was one of the last of the Capricorn eclipses. There was one previously in December of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Saturn Pluto conjunction when it went exact at the beginning of 2020, although it got pretty close um, earlier in 2019, in the middle of 2019, and then it came back and got pretty close again in the late summer, early fall of 2020. Mm-hmm. All right. So, are we, is that good for review? Yeah, and I wanted to say just on that last note, um, so we give kudos to you, the Saturn and Capricorn people, because you had quite a lot uh, additional emphasizing your Saturn return. Pluto thrown in there, eclipses in the same signs. That's not always the case in other Saturn return signs. Yeah, and then even the Mars retrograde this year in Aries, which then squared Saturn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That was a good time. So, all right, so Saturn return in Capricorn. Let's get into this. Let's mention the dates really quickly of what time frame we were talking about. So mm-hmm. Saturn first moved back into Capricorn for the first time in almost 30 years, December 19th of 2017. So for all intents and purposes, that is the day that your Saturn return began, broadly speaking, December of 2017. And Saturn is getting ready to leave Capricorn for the final time uh, this month on December 16th of 2020. Mm-hmm. And for all intents and purposes, for most of you, that is basically when your Saturn return will end, whether you have Saturn in the beginning, the middle, or the end of the sign. I should mention that being said, some people, if they have Saturn in the extremely late degrees, like let's say 28, 29 degrees of Capricorn, mm-hmm. 
then there might be a little bit of carryover once when Saturn retrogrades back and gets close to early Aquarius again. I don't remember how early it goes mm -hmm. this time. It may not go that far. Yeah, I actually don't either. But sometimes for the people that have Saturn either in like the last few degrees or the first few degrees of the sign, there can be some like carryover, especially if Saturn gets within three degrees of that placement that can like extend your Saturn return for a little bit. Yeah. But that being said, for the most part, um, these are your dates of your Saturn return. It's December of 2017 through December of 2020 for those that have it with Saturn and Capricorn. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, yeah, I guess we've we've talked about all of the, the only thing we haven't talked about is that the very first Saturn return people, one of the things that complicated it, the people that were born in the late 1980s through the early 1990s. Do you actually have the dates on that? What was Um, I don't have have them right here, but basically all the people who are going through their first Saturn or have been going through their first Saturn return in Capricorn right now had the stellium of Neptune, Uranus and Saturn in the sign. Right. Yeah, so so Uranus and Neptune um met up with Saturn in Capricorn in the late 80s and early 1990s and so one of the things that was interesting about hearing a lot of these first Saturn return stories over the past 3 years was just seeing that it wasn't just Saturn and its natal position that was being activated, but also Neptune was being activated when Saturn returned and started conjoining the natal Neptune, mm -hmm. and Uranus was being activated at the same time. Right. So there were some Neptunian themes involving, on the one hand, like one extreme was like idealism that I saw that were very prominent at different points, and then on another extreme, sometimes like escapism wasn't was sometimes a, a challenge or an issue when the Neptune. Peace was getting activated, mm -hmm. which sometimes was people would would struggle with things like um, drug or alcohol um, issues right. surrounding that. And then there was also the Uranus themes of like sudden radical changes or needs for independence yeah. and different things like that. Definitely. So it's a little bit more complicated than just a straight Saturn return. I mean, on the one hand. I don't want to make it sound totally abnormal in that like it's common that there's something in aspect to Saturn, but this was sort of an unusual stellium that everyone had from that whole period um, for the first Saturn return people instead of just like a few months or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was pretty unique having yeah. all those outer planets there and it, it brought a different character to the first Saturn return stories that we were seeing, I think, especially. Right. right. Um, and then there were some people that just like if you then had anything else in Capricorn, then you're already dealing with like a mega stellium at that point. Yeah, which we do have some of. Which we have some examples of. Mm -hmm. So why don't we, the time to get into those? Yeah, I think so. Let's see. So that first example here. Let's see. Do you want to trade off reading? Yeah. Should I read first? Yeah. Why don't you go ahead? All right. So our first example was by uh, our friend Diana Rose Harper, who was on the podcast earlier this year. And um, I'm trying to remember really quickly what episode number, but I can't remember mm. what episode number that was. But um, everybody really liked that episode. So you can check that out on the Astrology Podcast website as well as on the YouTube channel. So Diana's an astrologer and she sent us this email. This is her chart. So the parts that are important that I'm just emphasizing here is just that she has uh, Capricorn rising or ascendance in Capricorn and her Saturn is in Capricorn. Uh, so Saturn is in the first whole sign house or mm -hmm. the first, first house in general and it rules both the first house as well as the second house. 
So one of the things we're going to keep coming back to is just what are the significations of the house that Saturn is located in, as well as the other house that Saturn rules. In this instance, the first house which Saturn is located in is the house that signifies things like self and ideas of who am I and selfhood and other things like that, mm -hmm. which seems kind of abstract, but when people start going through their Saturn returns, that starts taking on really concrete meanings, right. which we'll hear about in a moment. Self, um, body, the physical body, mm -hmm. and sometimes things dealing with its upkeep or changes with the physical body. Mm -hmm. First house also has to do with character, and it also has to do with uh, one's appearance. Mm -hmm. So identity or self-presentation often become big pieces of the first house set in return. Yeah. Um, in terms of the second house, which it's going to rule for her, she has Capricorn rising. That's the house that signifies things like finances, possessions, and income. Mm -hmm. All right. So there's the chart. So here's the story that Diana sent in to me um, yesterday. I want to read really quickly. So it says, the most notable thing about my Saturn return involves my birth time revelation. In March of 2018, March 20th to be exact, a few months after Saturn entered Capricorn, I came across a copy of my birth certificate while searching for my voter registration and therefore found my actual birth time. Up until that point, I'd been going off of my mom's guesstimation of between 9.15 and 9.30 a.m. and had decided for myself that 9.18 a.m. was great since it made me a Sagittarius ascendant, and Sag rising sounded so much more fun than Capricorn rising, um, and meant that I would be a quote-unquote quadruple Sag with Sun, Moon, and Mercury, and the ascendant all in that sign. However, my actual birth time, 9.28 a.m., pushed my ascendant into the first degree of Capricorn, therefore altering my entire chart and making what I thought was a second house Saturn return into a first house Saturn return, with my first major Saturn story requiring a total reconfiguration of my self-concept through the lens of astrology. So there's some of those first house themes already. You're shaking your mm -hmm. head. Right. Yeah, that's kind of perfect. Just like identity is always a first house thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So it goes on, which Diana says, Fortunately, I had a consult booked with Kelly Surtees already, and so a little less than a month later, I had her help in a further settling into my, quote, new identity as a Capricorn rising. As I've described in the past, the process of acclimating to my accurate birth chart was like taking off a slightly too small and slightly too itchy sweater. You don't realize that you're uncomfortable until you've removed it, but once you've, rele you've re released from those confines, highest Saturn uh, day chart Saturn return, there's much more room to breathe within a new reality. Um, she continues on in her final paragraph and says, uh, a month or so after my consult with Kelly was the United Astrology Conference 2018 in Chicago, my first astrology conference, which interestingly I didn't register for until after Saturn had moved into Capricorn, um, so that would have been just a few months before it, that conference remains a key turning point in terms of my my vocational work as an astrologer now. One of the biggest shifts that happened for me at that conference is another identity-related thing. The new friends I met there reflected back to me very strongly and in no uncertain terms how much I already knew about astrology and the talent-slash-skill I have at synthesizing and translating astrological information. 
it might be relevant to say that at the time, Jupiter, the ruler of my sun, moon, Mercury, was in my Scorpio 11th house very near to my natal Mars. Because of their encouragement, I became brave enough to identify as an astrologer, not just as an, not just as an astrology enthusiast or astrology student. Claiming that title opened the door to what has become a sustainable astrological practice. I'm now in a position where I'm earning a livable income in a way that is intimately tied into the specific modality that facilitated this identity shift, which is a pretty perfect summation of a first house Saturn return, where Saturn also rules the second house, with Saturn in rulership in a day chart. Isn't it wild how astrology is like real or something? Question mark, smiley face. Right. <laughs> Actually, winking smiley face. <laughs> so yeah, that's a really perfect example <clears throat> of a first, ho first house Saturn return with major identity shifts of who you think you are, mm -hmm. and that pulling in how you make a living, which is a second house theme. Yeah, so we we get the primary focus on the the first house of self, first house concepts of self and who am I, and then also how astrologers see themselves, because that's one of the something you've been talking about recently is just um, sometimes if an astrologer changes house systems, for example, it can. Mm -hmm coincide with a major shift in one's sense of self-perception. Mm -hmm. um, or if you, in this instance, find out that you were born at a different time, suddenly that right. changes how you're perceiving your life and your sense of selfhood. Mm, definitely. And I really liked also how she included that Jupiter was simultaneously transiting the 11th house because that became um, more important than perhaps it would be otherwise because it was simultaneous to the Saturn return, which is something we were talking about earlier. Right. Yeah, so that was really good, and um, and then also the second house things, and just some of those themes having to do with the transformation of the self or shift in self perception also enabled her to move forward more in terms of her career, making astrology her primary income as as a professional astrologer. Yeah, definitely. So that's a great example, kind of perfect textbook. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's move on. So we're. We're going to try to spend like 10 minutes per house. We have like an ambitious lineup of yeah. charts. We'll see how many we can actually get through in a reasonable amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, all right, okay. let's, let's go on to the next Let's next go on to the next one. Okay. So the next slide is another Capricorn rising, Saturn in the first and ruling the first and the second. And, and, go and we're going to show charts. We're not going to do names, I don't think, from this point forward, except on some celebrity charts. Mm -hmm. um, just because we were, everybody, some people asked to have their names withheld. Most people didn't, but there was some ambiguity about some of that. So just to be safe, we're not going to mention any names, but we're just going to show the charts without birth data, but with just with the positions listed. And for the audio listeners, we're going to sort of read out some of the relevant placements as we talk about them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. So this is going to be another Capricorn rising, Saturn in the first, ruling first and second. So her email, um, it's a little bit lengthy to read, but um, it's all really contentful. Through my Saturn return, I passed through six jobs, two educational programs, and moved across the country in a global pandemic. But the real disruption of Saturn was internal. I tried out several different ideological identities, and my calling to work in ministry was examined from every possible angle, refined and renewed. Saturn brought me to an understanding of all the systems I navigate in my life and what I have believed about myself from each of them. I have always carried an enormous pressure of perfectionism, needing to feel like I am good, right, and responsible. The issue, of course, was that I have 
which is that I had many external environments by which I judged myself, each with their own values and conflicting judgments. And this is bringing in as as my interjection here. Um, people often, this is pretty common for any set of return, no matter what's where it's placed. Re like reevaluating what you believe instead of external judgments or external roles, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Now that's hype, that's amped up even further because this is Saturn in the first with identity, but you can hear some of those general points as well. So returning to her email, during this season, I started a college ministry for the church I worked at, also began a lengthy process of being ordained as an Episcopal priest, ended that process in the diocese where I began because of a misalignment in values and vision for the church, theologically and structurally, and began the process again on the West Coast in a new diocese. With the onset of the pandemic, I lost all of my sources of income. Ministry, teaching yoga, and bartending all involved gathering people and were no longer viable. I wound up spending the majority of 2020 in solitude, prayer, and reflection. So you can hear the second house rulership coming in there too. And mm. that was actually also um, uh, coming in when Saturn, I think, dipped into Aquarius in the spring, early summer there. During Saturn's brief move into Aquarius, I landed a summer internship as a hospital chaplain in the city where I dreamed of living for years, San Diego. And I was met with open doors, and I am once again on track to ordain ministry, though the progress came slowly and with a great deal more effort when Saturn retrograded again. I've had a complete redesign of my self-concept, my direction in life, and have separated from the deeply rooted messaging about success, discipline, and responsibility that I've received from multiple contexts throughout my life. I can say with more confidence than ever that I am my own authority. I know I have a unique path of leadership before me, and I now have the courage and confidence to take it. So I loved that write-up just because it was so evocative of those kind of first Saturn return themes, even in general, mm -hmm. of like becoming your own authority and that sort of thing. Right. Um, and taking responsibility for your own life and your own decisions, but also particularly with it being in the first house, um, her own identity, and particularly those reevaluations in her example were tied into um, religious ideological beliefs. And you can see in her chart, she has Mercury just a couple degrees off the Ascendant there, also in Capricorn. She has a big Capricorn stellium in the first house. And Mercury rules the ninth house. The ninth house has to do with religion, philosophy, belief systems. Yeah, and her moon is actually there in yes. uh, the ninth house in, in Virgo. Right, so there's two different things emphasizing, ninth house things being more focal to her life, but also to her identity per se, because it's right on her Ascendant. And it looks like the moon actually has a close classical reception with Mercury's because it's at 20 Virgo and it's applying to a trine with Mercury, which is its ruler. Exactly. Yes, it does. So there's a really strong ninth house theme here in addition to the first, but it's tied into first house theme. So it's not separate. It's like, who am I? What do I believe? What are my belief systems? And therefore, what am I doing in my life is very tied to reevaluating where am I religiously aligned and so forth, ideologically aligned. Yeah. And that's one of the issues then in terms of that complicates further in terms of like the actual interpretation of Saturn returns is Saturn when it starts hitting planets in if there are other natal planets in the Saturn return sign, it's going to activate those planets in their house placement there, but it's also going to bring into account um, some of the houses that they rule. So the fact that mm -hmm. Mercury rules the ninth house of like religion, Philosophy and beliefs and other things like that, and it's in her first house, like makes that an intimate part of her Saturn return story. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the houses that Saturn rules, but if there are other planets in that sign, it's going to bring into in other things as well. Which is why 
stelliums become even more important because it's not just packing that house or that sign with the, the quality of those planets, but it's also importing a bunch of significations from other houses into that sign at the same time. Mm -hmm, definitely. And I noticed also, even though she didn't sort of, she wasn't as explicit about it, there is a fairly close Mars square here from the fourth and to um, that Mercury. And I was just thinking about that in terms of the description of them running into misalignment of values with the, the particular church she was involved with and having to like redo that. Mm. And while she didn't say it in very conflict-laden words, I imagine that that's not a super easy thing if you feel like you're on one path and it involves something so personal as values. Yeah. Um, and this was, we should point out that this was a day chart mm -hmm. Saturn. So this was another one of those like started off a little rocky, ran into some major obstacles and difficulties. Not to downplay that, but ultimately like comes out of it stronger and wiser and everything else mm -hmm. in a positive way. So we're gonna try and alternate because some of the stories, you know, are gonna be more difficult and some of the positioning is not gonna be as easy necessarily. Um but we, we wanted to start off with two relatively constructive examples. Mm -hmm, right. So those are both really classic day chart examples where you kind of, um, you know, run into issues you have to grapple with, sometimes even, you know, big feeling issues. But by the end of it, you get you feel fairly good and you feel like you got to the other side and you're like excited to move on to the next next chapter. Yeah, which is not to say and and since these are summaries, if we were actually like talking to these people, we might hear more of the obstacles and challenges and setbacks. And mm -hmm. also because they're on the other end of it where they're coming out of it and winding down, like you're kind of doing you're in the like victory lap phase yes. <laughs> by this point, especially for like this person where the exact Saturn return was much earlier in the sign. So it's probably much more right. intense earlier on. Yeah. To some extent. Um additionally, earlier in the spring when I put out a call for Saturn return stories, I asked people to send in videos. But not as many people sent in videos as I was expecting, so I didn't end up going that route and instead ended up sending out a second call for emails and ended up focusing on that. There were a few few videos that were sent in that we didn't get to use because we changed the format. Mm. So apologize for those that did, did send them in, but um, yeah, we just didn't receive as many as we would have liked because originally I thought hearing from a person directly their Santa return is much more invocative than hearing right. a sort of synopsis or summary of it um, that's presented in like a lecture or something like that. True. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next. We're making good time. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's, let's keep moving. Keep moving. Okay. So the next one I believe is a celebrity example, right? Or a famous person example? Let me see. So here's the Oh yeah, so we're going to back up because now I've got some 12th house examples because it's one of the tricky things, right, about the Saturn and Capricorn ones is those two houses being like right next to each other so that the Capricorn rising people have Saturn ruling the first and second, but the Aquarius rising people where Saturn traditionally in traditional astrology rules both Capricorn and Aquarius, Aquarius rising people have Saturn in the 12th. So we're actually going to do our some of our 12th house examples first. And some of the traditional associations with the 12th house are it's it's one of the most difficult houses. So it tends to be associated with things like traditionally like enemies, sickness, loss, and seclusion or isolation and, and places of isolation. Mm -hmm. What are some other significations? Um those are the, I mean, those are pretty big categories. So um, sickness sometimes, um, sometimes more um, like mental health issues can come in the 12th or 
mental health challenges, you know, even if they're not like full-blown, you know, disorders, um, but also sometimes physical, um, especially chronic physical things can go there as well. Yeah. Um, place isolation, places of isolation, places like hospitals, mm -hmm. prisons, jails, or mm -hmm. prisons. Um, mm -hmm. Like rehab facilities, things of that nature. Like monasteries or like yeah, ashrams. ashrams or something. Yeah, which the commonality there is things that are secluded away from everyday society where you're kind of tucked away rather than in the main of everything, of everyday life. Yeah. All right. So let me see who their first celebrity example. All oh, right, okay. So the first celebrity example, which I've already mentioned a few months ago in like a forecast episode was Obama because one of the things that I thought was funny that I started seeing now that Saturn, I think today, let me put the chart of the moment up. This is more or less accurate? Mm, yeah, I think so. Is it? Mm -hmm, yeah. Should be. Okay, so we started under Taurus rising. Mm -hmm. So Saturn you can see is at 29 degrees. So we're like at the very end of Saturn and Capricorn right now. It's getting mm -hmm. ready to leave and go into Aquarius in the next week or so. Yeah, a lot of the like Saturn and Capricorn people that are just finishing up their Saturn returns are like reflecting on that, and sometimes you can see visible instances of them going through and finishing up this introspective, reflective phase of like closing down a huge chapter of their life after thirty years and beginning to open a new one. Because some of the like the celebrities, for example, are publishing memoirs where mm -hmm. they're like going back and looking at their life. And I, I saw two instances of that with two examples I wanted to mention here briefly. One of them is uh, Barack Obama, who published a memoir that just came out in the past few weeks where I think he focused on his first term in office, especially from 2008 to 2012. Mm -hmm. And then the other one that we'll look at after that is Michael J. Fox, who also published a memoir at the same time. Mm -hmm. All right, so here's Obama's chart. He has Aquarius rising with Saturn in Capricorn, 25 degrees of Capricorn in the 12th whole sign house. Um, his descendants at 18 Leo and his son is at 12, but there, I've had this ambiguity over whether he's a day or night chart for a number of years, and I'm currently leaning towards it actually being more of a day chart, um, but there's, there's arguments either way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are, because usually that's a little bit further below the descendant than we see night charts acting like. Um, right. But his Saturn, even though you would expect some constructiveness because it's in its own sign, um, and then he also has a benefic in the first, it still sometimes seems like a little too constructive for a night chart. And so that's been the dilemma. Yeah. So for this Saturn return, a few points. The one, one of the main ones is just um, in addition to writing a memoir, which is a funny, like looking back type thing. Um, his Saturn is in the 12th, and um, Saturn, of course, went into Capricorn in December of 2017. So that was only less, a little less than or about a year into Trump's presidency. And it's interesting seeing that theme, the 12th house being one of his main themes, because of course, Trump and Obama are famously like enemies, and Trump's original rise to political. Um, influence uh, about a decade ago was initially through spreading the like conspiracy theory that Obama was born in Kenya and wasn't born in the United States and therefore wasn't qualified to be president. Mm -hmm. um, so, what ended up happening then, of course, is in the 2016 presidential election, a year before uh, Obama's Saturn return began, his former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton famously lost the election to Trump. Trump, Obama's, let's say, enemy, then become comes into office, 
and kind of spent most of his presidency like deliberately um, deconstructing a lot of the things, a lot of the orders that Obama had put into place, especially many of the executive orders, because mm-hmm. he wasn't able to get Congress to cooperate on various things. So he ended up doing a lot of things through executive orders that could be easily undone by the next president, who happened to be Trump, who happened to be like uh, almost like sworn enemy of some sort. Mm-hmm. So much of his Saturn return story over the past four years must have been watching literally one of his enemies like attempt to, dis- to destroy everything that he had built up during that eight-year period prior to that, which is a really interesting manifestation of that classical signification of the 12th house as one of the places of, of enemies. Right. And I think sometimes people uh, initially feel like enemies is too strong a word to use, but right. it, and it, it's true that not all of us have like sworn enemies, you know, to that level. But it is also true that it happens more when there's twelfth house stuff going on natally. Um, that it becomes more of a theme for some of those people, at least, if it's not manifested in some other twelfth house way. And this does seem like a great example of that, where it's. He's in, you know, um, kind of Trump is kind of known for actually like deliberately trying to dismantle what um, Obama built, which is both interesting in terms of a 12th house enemy thing, but also in terms of a Saturn thing, like your legacy, like things you have built up slowly and painstakingly over time and you hope to at least outlast you for some measure of time. Right. Um, Yeah, it's kind of perfect. Yeah. So there's that. And then, you know, the flip side of that then over the past few months and the very end of his Saturn return story was that then his friend and former vice president Joe Biden went up against Trump towards the very end of Saturn and Capricorn, ended up winning the 2020 presidential election and now is about to replace Trump so that there was almost this reversal that happened interestingly by the end of the Saturn return story, which is that suddenly Obama almost was able to flip the tables and ended up um, like I think about some of the old delineations about Saturn in the twelfth and like Paulus Alexandrinus in the fourth century have to do with Saturn in the twelfth and like overcoming one's enemies or something like that is one mm-hmm. of the actual delineations. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting seeing that because the other part of that was during the early years and really during most of Trump's presidency over the past four years, Obama, you know, he gave those speeches as he was on the way out, but then he actually deliberately disappeared and like was not um you know out giving speeches or was not doing things very publicly for most of the past 4 years which is an interesting additional 12th house manifestation mm. of sort of seeking seclusion or isolation in some sense where right. he went from being the most or one of the most powerful and pro- eminent and prominent men in the world to suddenly kind of disappearing while Trump was doing things because Obama was trying to for a time, at least at the beginning, not not engage him about on stuff or not rile him up or something, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So disappearing, sort of being in seclusion, not being in the public eye is a very 12th house thing. And you'll often see that, you know, with any transits where they go through the 11th first, which is a much more social house. And then you get to the 12th and it's withdrawal, withdrawal yeah. from the public eye. Withdrawing from the public. And that's something we'll see come up in some of our other examples. So, but then towards the end of that, of course, he famously started reversing that starting this fall especially mm-hmm. especially actually around the time of September when Saturn station directed about 25 degrees and started mm-hmm. moving forward at its final pass he started doing a bunch of series of um of going out and giving political speeches at rallies in order to support Biden's presidential aspirations 
And he ended up playing the role of like suddenly and somewhat uncharacteristically for him up to that point, like attacking mm. very um, strongly and very strong words, Trump. Mm -hmm. So then going on the almost like the the attack of one's enemies. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. So this is a really good example that ties in both the first house of your identity and pulls that together with 12th house themes of, um, you know, that having an enemy is somehow like tied to like a piece of your identity, even if that's not what you're consciously seeking in any way. Right. So um, I'm sure there were other themes that are relevant, but those are the two main things that I wanted to mention is just the, the theme of enemies and the theme of having one's earlier efforts undone, but also that period he went through clearly of going into a greater sense of seclusion mm -hmm. than the previous decade or two of his life. Right. And then coming out of that recently, uh, to some extent, yeah, mm -hmm, definitely a good example of both like early Saturn return versus late Saturn return, as well as for him with Saturn being at twenty five, the later part of that perhaps being a bit more crucial towards the end here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. But also how sometimes at the beginning some of the issues come up and they don't get fully resolved until the very end of the transit. Definitely, which is very common regardless of degree of Saturn. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on to our next example, okay. our next celebrity chart example, which was very similar because he was born kind of around a similar time frame, and that's uh, Michael J. Fox, mm -hmm. who was also born with Aquarius rising and Saturn in late Capricorn in the 12th whole sign house. Mm -hmm. But the difference with his chart is he has the sun in Gemini, so it's very firmly below the horizon. So this is definitely a night chart. So we get some of the more challenging sort of significations of Saturn. So I think you and I had both used his birth chart as an example in the past because he famously, during his first Saturn return, he was a famous actor that was in um, a famous television series. And it was also, he was in the Back to the Future trilogy, mm -hmm. which are very famous movies in the 1980s. But then um, when he hit his Saturn return, I think it was like the day that he, what turned like 28 or 29, he ended up, um, his his hand was like twitching uncontrollably and he ended up going through a series of tests and then being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Mm -hmm, right. And then he ended up, as a result of that, having to pull back and, and basically retire from acting for a period of time mm -hmm. over the course of his early Saturn return and, and subsequent to his Saturn return. Right. And then during his Saturn cycle, I mean, so you can see from just the first Saturn return that that was a night chart example, right? Sort of the more challenging um, ascendant ruler being placed in the 12th, being Saturn in a night chart of chronic illness, basically, um, and something that's kind of like not in your control to persevere through or to get to the to sort of overcome. I yeah. mean, yeah, that's yeah. the way to say and, it. And it was a major thing that he had to deal with and cope with and it but it also set up that first Saturn return set up the next 30 years of his life right. and then there was this long story and sort of story arc over the next 30 years of him um learning how to deal with parkinsons and trying different treatments and then eventually at some point he made a comeback to acting and he started acting again for a while and had a sort of um renaissance or resurgence as an actor uh, but then recently in the news, he released in the past few months, he released another memoir um, where he announced that he was going to retire from acting again because his health had taken, um, gone into a downturn. Mm -hmm. And so he was going to have to basically make a second 
retirement from from acting at this point in his life. Right. So it's an interesting repetition of the first Saturn return, um, certainly with health being worse at that point in time rather than in between. He also released another memoir, and he had actually released others before. Mm -hmm. um, like one famously was called Lucky Man, wherein he said he still felt really lucky because of his family and his wife's unending support and things like that. Um, and you can see other reasons in the chart why those would be kind of more strong topics with the nice exalted Moon-Venus conjunction in the fourth house of family. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I know, and I wish I had the quote for this, because I know that when he, he, I saw an interview with him, and he was basically saying, can you still say all those things? Because he had such um, such hardships again during his second Saturn return with health downturns. And he was like, can you really, are you, are you that optimistic? Can you really say, I still feel lucky? And he eventually said, yes, he could, but in a much more sort of measured, sober way, which was like, you wake up the next day and you do the best you can. And I wish I had the exact quote here, but it was much more Saturnian. And I sort of appreciated that difference mm. of like, you know, it's easier in between when you've gotten past sort of an acute period of something to say like, I learned so much from that. Um, you know, and things are good and I feel grateful, which is always, you know, always still can be true, but I appreciated his sort of acknowledgement of like that this was also hard, but he still felt like he could be optimistic, but in a more Saturnian measured way. Yeah. So that's just an example of the range of significations. And that's one of the things we're going to be doing here is trying to show different examples to show you different manifestations of the houses. And while there may be some similarities, to the Saturn return in general, or to certain, if you have it in certain houses and certain commonalities between them, there's also a range of different experiences, of both types of experiences as well as like qualities of like constructive versus mm -hmm. destructive in some sense. Mm -hmm. um, but showing people the range of that and still keeping an eye on some of the commonalities, I guess, is what we're shooting for here. Yeah, definitely. So these are still examples, and even if you have similar placements, it's not going to go ex exactly the same. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. All right. So let's keep keep moving. I was thinking maybe we could use the next few at the end. What do you think? Um, this is where we get into like lots of twelfth house still. I mean, I liked this one, so I'd like to use a, at least one example or two really quickly of um, non-celebrity twelfth house examples. Sure. Okay. So the next one, let's see, get it up here. So next one was a listener submitted one. This is Saturn ruling the first in the 12th and- So Aquarius rising. Yeah, so Aquarius rising, right? Um, and so this is going to be a first and 12th house signification one. And the person wrote, for the past two years, I have focused heavily on my sobriety and mental health. In the beginning, it was such a struggle, but I am now more confident in myself than ever before. My sobriety is now such a large part of my life, but I feel like I feel as if the last three years were only the beginning and that I have so much more to accomplish in this lifetime. Side note, I began to share my sobriety publicly via social media towards the end of 2018, started my own sobriety podcast at the beginning of 2020. And so that's really a great one um, in terms of he said mental, they said, I'm not sure if it's a he or she, they said um, mental health, um, which is a 12th house thing sometimes. And then also um, sobriety. And I see um, issues with substance use or trying to get a more responsible handle on substance use. 
come up sometimes when there are pieces of first house, fifth, sixth, or twelfth. Mm. I don't know if those are the ones you've seen, but those those are the ones that I've seen when alcohol or substance use comes up a lot for Can different you, reasons. Usually, especially sixth and twelfth are the ones I see the most. Mm. Yeah, I've seen first, fifth, sixth, twelfth because the first is your body, so things that you do, you know, related to your body. The twelfth can be self-undoing behaviors, although it's certainly other topics as well. Yeah, like things that one does that detracts from oneself or or undoes, which is funny because has a double meaning of your detractors, mm -hmm. which can objectively be like your quote unquote enemies. Right. In the in the Obama example, but then it can also sometimes be because it's connected with and it's drawing away from the first house. It can be ways in which one undermines. Or detract from one's own either mental or physical well-being, mm -hmm. and sometimes um, addiction issues can be can be one a manifestation of that. Right, exactly. So that's a pretty perfect example of that. Um, and the extra little piece that I appreciated was the sobriety podcast towards the end of the Saturn return, um, because this person has both the Sun and Mercury in the third house of communications. And I've actually seen a lot when transits go through the third people um, or two, the ruler of the third, um, people starting podcasts. So anyway, this is um, the Saturn return was tightly square Mercury, the planet of communication in the third house, which can also be about communication topics. Um, so I love that the Saturn return brought in talking about the topic of the house placement, the 12th house placement, which was the addiction and sobriety, but then speaking about it publicly, which was the third house tie-in. Yeah, and also earlier in the Saturn return, Saturn itself is at 25 degrees uh, of Capricorn, but we see Neptune at 14 degrees of Capricorn mm -hmm. and Uranus at nine degrees of Capricorn. So those would have been activated earlier in the transit as well. And like a transiting Saturn conjunct Neptune, um, you know, I could see how that would would be could be a period where struggling with something like sobriety or wanting to. Um, not be fully in touch with reality or the tension mm -hmm. between reality and non-reality mm -hmm. being heightened. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll see that in a bunch of different um charts here with the first Saturn returns. It also brings up another like complicating factor that we could introduce at this point that we're not going to get into much here, but it's relevant in terms of studying the Saturn return as the start of a new 30-year cycle and then realizing that it it basically just lays the seeds or the foundations for some things that are going to grow grow and develop over the next thirty years. Mm. Is that when Saturn? Because this is a good example of that. When Saturn goes through Capricorn in this chart example, it's not just hitting those three Capricorn planets of Uranus, Neptune, and Saturn. It's also making a hard aspect with the Sun and Mercury in Aries in the third house. Jupiter and the Moon in Cancer in the sixth house mm -hmm. and. There's no placements there, but the other hard aspect it would make is to Libra in the uh, ninth house. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned that because every seven years, approximately, Saturn will go through one of those signs and it will make a hard aspect back to its natal position. And those tend to be the important turning points uh, when there is a further development in the Saturn return story that's important and notable when Saturn makes hard aspects back to its natal position. Mm -hmm. So Paying attention during the Saturn return itself to what planets it, it's aspecting in the other signs by hard aspect by a square opposition is really important because it sets up a sequence then that you're going to see play out over the next thirty years in some way. Mm -hmm. Right, just repeating themes with all those topics over and over. 
right? Mm -hmm. So so it went through the twelfth house here, but then when it goes through the third house, eventually in seven years, it'll aspect activate some of those topics and it'll mm. aspect all the other planets in the other cardinal signs at the same time. Then seven years after that, it'll go through Cancer and it'll op oppose Saturn in Capricorn, but it also aspect all the other cardinal planets again. And then eventually, when it goes through Libra, it'll be, you know, another hard aspect. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, it'll she'll hit the next Saturn return or the second Saturn return and close down that cycle and open up a new one. Yeah, definitely. So it's an ongoing story. Um, this is also why um, this one was such a good example for addiction or sobriety issues because it actually brought in all four of those houses that I sometimes see connected to that, which is um, the ruler of the first in the twelfth, and then opposing those two planets in the sixth house of um, habits, sometimes bodily habits. And then square the ruler of the fifth, which is that Mercury in the third of communication, the fifth being sometimes things that we do for pleasure, which is why I see it sometimes brought in in terms of um, Saturnian responsibilities around that. Okay. Um, yeah. And also, it's just important in terms of the more modern, starting to be more of a shift in understanding sometimes addiction as like an illness or a type of illness that people struggle with and have to fight. Mm. Um, rather than it always being something else, conceptualized as something else mm -hmm. that's more just like part, like willpower or something. Yeah, that's yeah. that's willful and is a choice right. versus something where once pe person gets locked into it, it's something that undermines you that you have trouble fighting mm -hmm. in the same way that somebody fights like cancer or something like that. Right. Yeah. For sure. All right. Um, was that a, is that a, that's probably good mm -hmm. for that example. That's good for that example. All right, let's move on to our next example and let's jump to the second house and start a new series talking about the second house and its significations. So here's a little um, diagram for those watching the video version. The second house signifies things like finances, possessions, and income primarily. And the first example chart I actually wanted to use was is a celebrity chart, which is the chart of AOC. Mm -hmm. um, who we have a time to birth time for. Right. So otherwise known as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but famously called AOC. So she has Sagittarius rising, Saturn and Capricorn in the second house. Yeah, in a day chart with the sun in Libra in the 11th. Mm -hmm. So day chart, Saturn return with Saturn in the second and ruling the second house of finances and the third house of communications, siblings, one's neighborhood or neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, and she famously had one of the more like interesting and impressive Saturn return stories over the past few years where she was basically like a was it like a bartender mm -hmm. and then she ended up deciding to run for Congress and ended up challenging, I think in the in the what, the primaries, she ended up challenging the sitting incumbent uh, Democrat, and ended up actually winning and, and unseated him and went from being um went from being a bartender to suddenly being in Congress. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about that, of course, is that happened during the course of that three-year period for her between 2017 and 2020 is going from what I'm sure one of the major shifts for her would have been not just how she makes her income 
but also like the the sort of like level of income at the same time. Mm-hmm. Definitely, one would assume that members of Congress do make quite a bit more than a bartender for their personal income. Yeah, and has things like health insurance are suddenly covered, mm-hmm. and other things like that are covered. So, greater financial stability mm-hmm. and greater um, earning power and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting um, because she tends to focus also sometimes on financial issues in terms of legislation and in terms of her politics and right. trying to push for um, coverage. Like one of the things that she's being very vocal about right now is like the government needing to send out money for people due to the pandemic, due to mm. people not being able to work and being forced not to work due to like cities closing down and like closing down basic things like restaurants and bars and things like that and people being out of work, but then also than not having an income, but the government so far only sent out like one set of stimulus checks in the spring. But unlike other countries that have continued to send them, the U.S. hasn't. Right. So that's something she's been pushing for, and, and financial matters seem to be one of her interests. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see in her chart, she actually has Jupiter ruling the ascendant in a day chart placed in the other financial house, in the eighth house. And so not only does this help the Saturn return become even better because you have Jupiter in a day chart in aspect to Saturn, Saturn already being more constructive in a day chart, but Jupiter helping that even more. But you have both of the financial house, uh, the whole financial axis is um, brought into the Saturn return. It is the second house of personal income. It is also the eighth house of collective resources, shared resources, which also has to do with things like banking and loans and things like that. Mm. Um, And I thought it was really notable that she's not just vocal about financial topics, but pretty early on in her first term, she was named to the House Committee on Financial Services. And so that committee oversees things like banking, insurance, the U.S. Treasury, Federal Reserve, et cetera. And those are all eighth house topics. And so you have both of those financial houses um, being emphasized. And you'll see this in some charts, too, as a more general principle. Sometimes the second house can be one's own personal resources or income, but sometimes it's that the person, in addition, focuses on the topic of finance. And you have both of those going on here. Right. So she got into office in 2018, so that was around the time of you know, pretty early on in her Saturn return, if mm-hmm. Saturn just moved into Capricorn in December of 2017, so that lines up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also interesting. I mean, with Saturn ruling the third house, it was like her um, push to um, promote herself and promote her local neighborhood mm-hmm. and, and politics and stuff, and getting uh, upswelling of support in her neighborhood as part of what allowed her to do that. And it's interesting tying in some of the third house topics. Definitely. Yeah, that's a nice point as well. And it's kind of because it's weird because sometimes the concept of like one's neighborhood or neighbors as a third house topic seems very abstract and like not applicable, but sometimes it actually comes in, becomes relevant in very concrete ways. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Now in her chart, she also has the square to the Libra planets, Mercury, Mars, and Sun in the 11th house. And I'm not going to piece all of those out, but just noting that usually in day charts, um, the problematic area is the Mars. And so, but she has interesting little interplays going on where um, the 11th house is still mitigated because it's ruled by Venus, one of the benefics placed in the first and so forth. So um, even though Mars is in a day chart in the 11th, there's still some good coming out of it. And I think that what you see a lot with 
since she was um, running and then elected to Congress, is um, sparring on social media it has been like actually like a notable thing with her, mm. where like people will try to attack her on social media who are you know politically like opposed to her. Um, but then she's actually fairly adept at like sparring. So anyway, it's just interesting to see that in the chart. Whereas like social media is a thing for many people, but for some people it's like more focal than others. Yeah, I mean, I also see that as an extension of Saturn ruling her third house of communication and mm -hmm. how Twitter and the use of Twitter as part of her platform in order to get her message out, and how she's probably during the course of her Saturn return through the second, and then there will be a continuation of that through the third. Um, one's message and ability to communicate one's message, like maturing and becoming more mature, mm. and maybe having setbacks or like running into obstacles, or maybe there were some things where she said something um, and maybe it wasn't the best way to put that, or maybe she would regret saying that, but each time she would learn something from it and sort of build on it. Mm -hmm. um, I would see that as part of that Saturn return theme as well. And then, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. Mars in the 11th, intentions with those who are allies. Because even now mm -hmm. with the, like the Democratic caucus, she tends to be more on the far, more on the left, um, further left than like let's say some of the moderate Democrats. And so after like even after Biden's recent win, now there's already tensions there in the left wing of the party mm -hmm. about what policies to push for and how hard to push and how far left to push versus how much to either push for moderate policies or to attempt to reach across the aisle to Republicans or what have you. Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah, that's a great point as well. And it's interesting. This is like, um, you know, a broader thing to note. I think we've touched on it already, but just to emphasize that everyone who has Saturn in Capricorn, um, you're kind of getting a head start on that two house spectrum. So you're already doing things with the Aquarius house. Right. And you're just going to keep doing them, but probably be better at them as you as it goes through Aquarius then after this, because you will have already been working on at least some pieces of that throughout the Saturn transit through Capricorn. Yeah, there'll be a continuation of those themes and you'll leave behind some of the Capricorn themes mm -hmm. to some extent, but there'll be perhaps possibly an intense intensification of some of the Aquarius themes. Right. And we'll talk about this more at the end, but there should have been a preview of that already when Saturn dipped into Aquarius for a few months between March and early July of 2020 of what some of those Aquarius themes will be. So that's a little tricky we have to pay attention to here where some people may we may already see manifestations of some of that in people's lives because it's dipped into that other sign mm -hmm. this year. True. Although I think the rulership still does that as well to some extent, but you're just kind of getting two different reasons for that right now. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So that's good. I didn't want to dwell on that one very long. Right? I just mm -hmm. thought it was, well, it was one of the more impressive, constructive stories of like a not fully, like I don't want to overplay that, but kind of like a rags to riches story. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't know a better yeah. like analogy to make because it wasn't obviously completely like that because she wasn't like destitute and suddenly became mm -hmm. like a billionaire or something like that. But, but it's a big jump up. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that's a piece of the Uranus as well. I mean, you know, the sort yeah. of abruptness. Oh, no, no, that's a really great point. So it's we have the abruptness and the suddenness. Mm -hmm. And the sort of revolutionary, like overthrowing of an established incumbent mm -hmm. that was a surprise to people, right. um, through somewhat kind of um, what are, seemed like somewhat unique um, or 
not avant-garde, like what's like, the term? Lever- not revolutionary per se, but some something like one rung under that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then also the Neptune there, which is something I've seen in other areas, but it's very relevant here. I'm glad you mentioned that. But the idealism, mm-hmm. like there being like like higher-minded sort of ideals that one attempts to manifest during the course of their Saturn return, especially, and that they attempt to bring into reality in concrete form. Mm-hmm. Like I remember we had some meeting like a few years ago, we were going over Saturn return examples with our local astrology group, and that kept coming up as a theme. And there was one person that had it in like the fourth house or something, and part of their thing was building like community oh, housing or yeah. something like that, uh-huh. where it was part of her ideals surrounding people should have free access to like a home and living space and people shouldn't have to be homeless that was driving her to like implement that in a very concrete way right through Saturn in the fourth house right and that is a unique thing with this batch of Saturn returns um, of people born in the late 80s and early 90s is Neptune and Uranus are brought in and not only Saturn alone and so you do still get a heavy dose of the Saturn but there's the Neptune which can either be like in some of the other instances you were mentioning earlier, the escapism or something or not wanting to be in reality, but there's also the idealism. And Neptune in Capricorn in particular is just a really interesting placement, I've noticed, in terms of like wanting to bring that ideal into reality rather than leaving it as a dream or a daydream mm-hmm. because it's in Capricorn and it's ruled by Saturn. So you actually want to yeah. make it real. Got to do something with that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, that's pretty good. All right, so that's a good example. Uh, and we'll continue to see. I mean, that's literally just her first Saturn return. So yeah. this is also setting the stage for the next 30 years. And it'll be really interesting to see, especially when she hits in seven year increments, like when Saturn goes through Aries and like squares that natal position, and Saturn will check in and it'll say, like, how is that going? That mm-hmm. that new foundation that you initiated during your Saturn return with those second house placements, um, and also in connection to the other cardinal placements of the fifth, eighth, and eleventh, will mm-hmm. be like a check in every seven years about how that's going and a further development of that story. Right. All right, so let's move to our next. Oh, yeah, I wanted to contrast that just really quickly because I thought it was funny with a similar example of somebody also interestingly who has Sagittarius rising and Saturn in Capricorn, which is Warren Buffett. Mm, and Jupiter ruling the ascendant and Cancer in the eighth. Both Cancer of them do. <laughs> yeah, well, conjunct Pluto. Yeah, conjunct Pluto is different. <laughs> which is funny because the Jupiter Pluto conjunctions, of course, we've talked about a lot this year. And one of the things um, they tend to have to do with is. Um, Acquiring like large amounts of wealth and yeah. ex- extreme instances of wealth, big money. Yeah. So like Bill Gates, for example, has a Jupiter Pluto conjunction in Leo in the second house. Warren Buffett, who and Bill Gates is Bill Gates currently the rich? He's still like the richest person in the world, right? I cannot say. I think he, I don't keep he track. is, or he's like up there. <laughs> yeah. And then Warren Buffett, I think, is currently the fourth richest person in the world. Jupiter Pluto conjunction in the eighth. Okay. Um. I just thought it was funny because so this is Warren Buffett. This was his third Saturn return. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I actually don't have a lot to report aside from that he's, he again, I think, became or was put back to the fourth richest person in the world. I was asking our friend Patrick Watson about this, who tracks things like this. And one of the things he mentioned about the Saturn return was um, although Buffett apparently backed Hillary Clinton or voted for Hillary Clinton. Um, once Trump get in, got into office, one of the major legislative things that they did, that Trump did and the Republicans did, was the um, tax cuts and the t- changes in the tax code, which then mm. ended up um, significantly impacting Buffett's business in terms of making his company um, like billions and billions of dollars, partially due to some of those tax cuts and things like that. Mm, interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and those would have been hitting the Jupiter-Pluto in his eighth. Interesting. Right, so it was something about that. I mean, I'm sure there's other themes in terms of the second house themes in terms of his personal finances. I think I read a headline that there may have been some misinvestment in China that may have lost him some money, and I wonder mm. if that wasn't one of the challenges that came up early in the Saturn return. There also would have been some third house themes surrounding communication. Um, he's famous for like getting up and reading four newspapers each day and mm. previously seemed to be somewhat tech averse, but then sometime in the past few years on a conference call said something about Google being his primary search engine. So perhaps part of his Saturn return was um, learning how to you know, use technology or other things more in order to track the news and his investments as a second house placement. Mm. Not much else to report there, but I just thought it was an interesting contrast with, with AOC. Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah. And interesting to see Saturn alone versus Saturn with Neptune and Uranus. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So um, let's move on to our next example. Do we have a second house? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Saturn yep. return from a listener. Yes. And this is going to be a second Saturn return. So it will be Saturn um, not with Neptune and Uranus. So this person did fill in also a bit about her first Saturn return. She said, um, so this is another Sagittarius rising, Saturn in Capricorn in the second house. This one's also with the moon and Mars there as well in Capricorn. And um, she said during her first Saturn return, she went to grad school and then started her career as a social worker. And you know, while the second isn't career per se, it is your source of income. And with Saturn ruling the second and the third, I've definitely seen Saturn connected to the third house for going to grad school or going to school in, in general. Um, and so she went to grad school and then at the end of her first Saturn return was able to support herself with that new career, which is Saturn in the second house of personal income and finances. Then she said, but that was a while ago. This is her second Saturn return now. She said at her second Saturn return, she left her job of 19 years, which was also her career since her first Saturn return, and that she was burned out on working in death and dying. And I thought that was a really interesting piece. She was a social worker working on death and dying at this point because the moon in the second house in a close conjunction with Saturn is ruling the eighth house. Mm. And the eighth house, in addition to those topics we were mentioning, the last couple of charts with shared resources and whatnot, can also be the topic of mortality. Right. And, you know, things around that. So the dying process or wills or different things. So the ruler of the eighth conjuncts Saturn in the second. She was earning her living with the topic of death and dying, which was interesting. But she had been doing that for a long time, and she was burned out, and so she actually left her job at that point. Um, she also had some issues about where home is. She was thinking about moving back somewhere else and to help her aging mother. As I mentioned earlier, sometimes um, aging parents or parent figures can come up in terms of the Saturn return, either first or second Saturn return. Um, and I noticed that in hers, even though her um, fourth house ruler, her fourth whole sign house ruler is Jupiter and it's not really tied into this, her IC is actually a little bit into Aries. And so the IC ruler, which is also the IC having to do with those same topics of fourth house, home, family, et cetera, um, parents, the IC ruler is Mars, and Mars is in the second house in Capricorn, so tied into her Saturn return. So issues of where she's going to live and helping her mother um, were also in her second Saturn return experience. She also mentioned a lot of health issues coming up um, during both Saturn returns, actually. And I was curious why that was, but I was noticing in a lot of the examples that people sent in, whether we're sharing those today or the other ones we're not, 
um, when the moon was in there, especially at night. Um, when the moon was in Capricorn with Saturn, sometimes it brought those body issues in. Yeah. Even if it wasn't like Saturn ruling the first or the sixth, which would be more typical for body issues. Yeah, I think the body is one of like the first significations that Vadius Valens gives for the moon in like the second century. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the moon can be a general significator for the body, um, your physical vehicle. And so when Saturn is in there with the moon, and especially if it's a night chart, but sometimes even if it's a day chart, then health issues can also be brought in at times. Okay. Um, that's pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I had one quick quote um, from this one. Mostly I summarized it, but she said, I'm about to move back to, quote, a place I've been fighting emotionally to accept as my home since I had to move there for medical reasons in January of 1980. And I thought that wording was just really interesting because it's Mars ruling the IC, and Mars is like the fighting, the conflict over it. Okay. And in terms of the financial stuff, what was the core of that again? Um, she left her career that she'd been doing since her first Saturn return when she started it, which is also her job of 19 years. And of course, the 19 years is the eclipse cycle, and we had the eclipses and Saturn going through Capricorn during the same time period the last few years. Yeah. So it, it tied in both of those cycles. Nice. That's pretty good. And this is a night chart one, unlike the last two, like AOC and Buffett, that mm -hmm. are more constructive. So we're, we're seeing a little bit more challenging themes come up here, which makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, and also noting that this the second Saturn return leaving something or having an ending of something that you may have started during the first Saturn return is fairly typical. It's not universal, but it is common. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, okay. And I meant to say as an aside, like feel free, anybody we decided not to mention names on these, and we didn't mean to hopefully not like offend anybody since like hiding people's names. We just didn't want to deal with anybody. If they weren't anticipating that, suddenly having their name out there. But anybody that's listening to this that submitted a story that we read here, please feel free to um, fill in more details or or post a comment, either ideally on YouTube below this video on the video version or on the podcast website on the astrologypodcast.com on the entry for this episode to fill in more details or if you want to expand or talk about your story any additionally we'd love to that would actually be really great um, if you feel like it and if you feel like like taking ownership of one of these Mm -hmm. stories that we're sharing. Yeah, so we definitely didn't want to take credit away from anyone. We just wanted to make sure that if anyone wasn't anticipating us reading their name out loud and attaching it to your chart that you can do that on your own if you would like to. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I think that's it for second house ones. Let's mm -hmm. move on to the third house. Third house. Okay. So here's significations very quickly of the third house, siblings, short trips or short distance travel, school and communication. Mm -hmm. Also neighbors, Extended relatives, mm -hmm. sometimes like aunts, uncles, nieces. Mm -hmm. Transportation as part of short distance travel, your means of transportation, which we'll get into in the next example here. Okay. Okay. All right. So this next one's going to be a Scorpio rising chart with Saturn in the third house. You can see the sun is above the ascendant, well above. And so this is a day chart example. Um, so Saturn in the third, ruling the third and the fourth houses. And so this one, um, so the, the quick summary is she moved a lot during her Saturn return. She became mobile. She got a van that she could live in and her mother got sick. And um, she was the one where she got divorced early on in the Saturn return. And we were thinking that that might've been partially due to the Uranus transit in the seventh being brought into the Saturn return. 
Yeah, so there were like the primary set of return themes that had to do with movement and like moving around and living in a mobile situation, and then also some of the fourth house themes that were more clear. But then there was also like overlapping um, major seventh house changes that came up and disrupted things. Mm -hmm. But that partially had to do with the fact that she has Scorpio rising, and so Uranus had moved into her seventh whole sign house of relationships. Right, right. And anytime there is Saturn in a ruling the fourth and pulling pulling in early here, I mean, your living situation can get disrupted easily by who you're connected with. And so it can kind of get pulled in indirectly in addition to that Uranus transit in the seventh simultaneous. Yeah, but it was just a good example of like the Saturn return is not Normally and, and typically is not like the only transit that you have going on mm -hmm. for a three-year period. And oftentimes there will be other major transits that are showing other areas of your life that are becoming important during that time. Yeah, exactly. And they become kind of heightened to some to some degree anyway. So here's a few quotes. Um she said you got divorced early on in the Saturn return, and then she said, I moved into the small house behind my grandma's house that Christmas, living alone for the first time in my adult life. It was nice because it was free in a pretty big space, but it was full of car parts. LOL, constant third house, signification there, for my dad's car projects that he is extremely protective of. Organizing his car parts to make the space livable has been a constant battle. And that just made me laugh because that's, of course, Saturn um, ruling the fourth house of home, family, and parents right. placed in the third house. The, fa the father. The father, yes, fourth house, and then the ruler of the fourth in the third, which is like your father's car, your father's <laughs> car parts in this example. Um, so, um, so that's pretty literal. And then she said, that summer, I dove headfirst into a full load of astrology classes. I began a year-long Hellenistic Australian horary apprenticeship, got my electional certification and my certification in plant-based nutrition. My ex-husband and I's house finally sold at this time. I began researching buying a van to live and travel in. By Christmas 2019, my custom van was being built to be delivered in February 2020. So again, that's the ruler of the fourth in the third. Right. Um, the, the, living, li the living situation is mobile. <laughs> right. The living situation is mobile, i.e. in your vehicle that you're driving around. Yeah. So that's perfect. I like that. Yeah. Um, then in the summer, I finally started traveling. Oh, I should say because the, um, the courses, where did the courses come in? Do we have the right chart up? You already said that. Oh, yeah. But I was looking at the chart significations. Um, just that Saturn in the third house. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then in the summer, I finally started traveling in my van. I did a few large trips, but one solo cross-country trip that was extremely healing. I took my mom to a specialist for treatment, and it seemed to help. I traveled across the country with my sister. Again, third house things, multiple third house things there, siblings and transportation. Um, when Saturn retrograded back towards my natal Saturn, my dad randomly blew up on me for moving his car parts. <laughs> Again, that's the emphasis of the ruler of the fourth and the third, getting that Saturn hit. Right. Um, and finally, I started reorganizing. It's also like Saturn, like it's such yes. a great Saturn signification. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, right. Authority and like you don't have the authority to move my car parts. <laughs> yeah, and, and like protectiveness, and sometimes Saturn can be like kind of miserly uh -huh. is another signification of Saturn. Right, right. I started reorganizing my car part house into something nicer. This is towards the end of the Saturn return. By the end of October 2020, I had a whole new office set up for streaming and video editing. By November 2020, I was learning how to write, film, and edit videos. It is now December, and I am preparing to launch my new website about my services and my travels and preparing to launch my new YouTube channel. 
Awesome. Right. So that's great. Like lots of different third house significations going on. Like the communication there mm -hmm. and how one communicates one's message and speaks or teaches to people. Exactly. Yeah, that's really good. Um, that also brings in some technology elements, maybe with the Uranus in the third house. Mm, yes, right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's probably one of the, the best and most like evocative examples that just brings in those fourth and third house significations and shows how that can sometimes, how the rulers of the houses and how planets in houses can manifest sometimes very literally in ways that you don't expect, and also how sometimes you can have multiple different manifestations of the same placement. So for, for example, like the, the mother getting sick, her mm -hmm. mother getting sick and that being an ongoing thing that that she was dealing with, that they were dealing with during the course of the Saturn return with Saturn ruling the fourth house of parents. Mm -hmm. um, the father and some tensions with the father coming into play and the father's ownership over the third house car things. Right. Um, the native themselves moving in their own living situation and house, literally like their house moving out from the relationship house, but also mm -hmm. the house being sold, um, then having a new home constructed, which happened to be like a mobile home, which she mm -hmm. lived in and drove around uh, the country with, with the ruler of the fourth and the third. Um, you just got like every possible manifestation of some of these things going on here. Right, definitely. Um, okay, so is that good for that one? Um, I think so. And if you feel if the if the owner of this chart feels like sharing or posting their YouTube channel or anything like that, feel free to in the comments below mm -hmm. this video. So shout out and thanks for that that awesome awesome example. Mm -hmm. All right, and then we have another Scorpio rising third house example. Um, this is going to be Scorpio rising again, Saturn in Capricorn in the third house, and um, ruling the third and the fourth. So this person said she identified her during her Saturn return. She identified her biological father through DNA and began correspondence. It's a fourth house thing. She cut off contact initially with the adopted fam adoptive family that raised her. Again, fourth house significations. She drove too much for her job and experienced lots of driving st stress during the course of these few years, which is a third house transportation mobility. She moved into a van. This is another one with the ruler of the fourth and the third moving into a van. Mm. Um, interesting. Um, she identified sensory and attention issues that has that had caused blocks to her learning, which is a third house signification. Um, your sort of your thinking process, your cognitive process. Um, she identified fears regarding communication or communicating, which is a third house again. She made progress in how she shares her thoughts. And finally, near the end of the Saturn return, she resumed contact with the family that raised her as the Saturn return was ending, fourth house again. Nice. Yeah, so that's pretty succinct bullet point, like lots of third house and fourth house significations there. Yeah, um, so let's break down some of those because they're unique topics. Mm -hmm. Like, identified her biological father through DNA and began correspondence. So fourth house stuff can sometimes, especially during like Saturn transits, can deal with looking at the past and having a drive to go back and find out more about your your roots or your origins or where you came from. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it's unique in that, I mean, maybe this will be not unique in the future, but currently it's unique that the Uranus is co-present with Saturn and it's through the vehicle of new technology, relatively new technology, that she was able to discover her biological father. Yeah. with You said Uranus? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And through DNA technology. Yeah. DNA was not mentioned by Vedius Valens in the second century. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Um, so there's also interesting that the, at the beginning there was a conflict set up and then a resolution towards the end. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the early bullet points was cut off contact with adoptive family that raised her. And so cutting off or cutting off contact, mm -hmm. um, putting up blockages or stopping or re refusing something or saying no to something mm -hmm. is, you know, Saturn and its rings and setting boundaries right. um, is a very common theme that comes up uh, depending on what house Saturn is in or what house it's ruling. It's funny that it's it's like family ruling the fourth house and then third house communication. So it's kind of like you get both of those, mm -hmm. the two houses, but then Saturn saying no to something or cutting off something. Mm -hmm. And putting up new boundaries or at least new temporary boundaries in the fourth house, but then um, sort of knocking down blockages in the third house communicating. Yeah, so by the end, it said resumed contact with the family that raised her as Saturn return is ending. So mm -hmm. there's sometimes when Saturn's first going through the sign, setting up the problems, and then during its successive, like it'll station retrograde, and then it'll go retrograde for several months and station direct. And you'll what you'll see is often people having like turning points around the times of the stations, especially mm -hmm. um, in the overall over uh the the developing narrative of that story right definitely yeah. so that's pretty good mm -hmm. so those are our third house examples okay so that's good for third house um just to show the chart again and then so we're moving on to the fourth house mm -hmm. to libra rising with saturn in the fourth so here's our fourth house example our fourth house diagram fourth house signifies parents home family private life and this is also going to shift us over so that Capricorn will be on the fourth house and Aquarius will be on the fifth house. So that'll be the secondary house that Saturn is ruling. So we've mm -hmm. got to mention some of the fifth house significations, which are things like children, creativity, pleasure, and sex. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So this next example will bring in both. Um, she wrote that she had her son, she had her first child just before that her Saturn return started. And so there's Saturn ruling the fifth. Mm. And immediately she started reflecting on how her childhood could have been better in some ways. She said her parents were decent, that she always had a roof over her head and food to eat, but she just started reflecting on some of the you know more emotional pieces of how she was raised. And in doing so, not to blame her parents, but to sort of be proactive about how she was raising her son which is fourth house and fifth house tied together, reflecting on your past and your parentage mm. um, in order to sort of decide more intentionally what you're doing with fifth house topics, like how you're raising your child. Um, she also said she started drinking less. Deliberateness and like Deliberateness. planning is a good, those are two good keywords for Saturn. Yeah, definitely. Um, and she also said she started drinking less because her father drank a lot when she was growing up and she said she didn't want to raise her son in that kind of environment. And so that again, you know, as we've seen in a bunch of these, brings in the Neptune uh, co-present with Saturn there in the fourth. And so sometimes when Neptune is in the fourth, there has been like a substance use issue with parents. Mm. Not always; it can manifest in other ways too. But that can, yeah, I've seen that before um, from time to time. Um, she said. Then she also came out as bisexual to her husband and a few friends, a few close friends. And Saturn is ruling the fifth of sexuality, and that's certainly not the only way that that can come out as like a more concentrated topic. But it is one that I've seen before as well, mm -hmm. um, because the Saturn is sort of like having to 
like struggle with something. And so this person was struggling with that for a piece of her Saturn return until she sort of um, made that known to her husband and friends. Right. And then she wrote, I've come to terms and ex I had come to terms and accept that my parents didn't really have a childhood. They started working as young kids and moved to America when they were still essentially children. And I thought that was really interesting with that strong um, Capricorn stellium in the fourth, and especially the applying Sun-Saturn conjunction in the fourth house in a night chart, mm. which is kind of like struggle, you know? Um, it does put more emphasis on that. And so it says, you know, your parents, reflecting back on like how your parents were raised, they had to be very responsible at a young age. That's very Saturn. Yeah, it's like Saturn can bring maturity or uh, beyond its years, or can um, make something appear older or sometimes more severe or more strict and less childlike, mm -hmm. depending on where it falls. And sometimes that can be experienced as like cold or harsh or austere in that area of the person's life where that energy is concentrated. Um, and it's interesting here with having that energy concentrated in the fourth that. Um, it was manifesting through her parents uh, not really having a childhood and maybe having, maybe what's implied is having a harder childhood uh, than they should have and mm -hmm. therefore um, carrying some of that energy through as they raised her. Exactly. And it seemed like she was kind of like trying to consciously sort through those influences in order to decide then how to raise her son, which is really very, the whole thing is very tied fourth and fifth houses. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. This is also since the Sun and Saturn are there in a conjunction. This is a night chart, so some of the more the colder, um, more austere significations of Saturn are coming through. And it's interesting hearing her process some of that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a pretty pretty solid example. Bringing in the main focus is the um, fourth house, but then mm -hmm. bringing in some of the fifth house significations and multiple fifth house significations at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I want to also point out, um, as we're ending this example, that while it is a night chart and she did sort of evoke struggles with some of these pieces along the line during her Saturn return, she also sounded very, I mean, this is subjective, of course, reading people's accounts, but um, she sounded really conscious about it and like deliberate and in those sort of positive Saturnian significations. And I want to make sure that we convey that that is still definitely possible in night or day charts. You know, it's more that the externals can come sometimes be more of a struggle with the night charts, depending on the specifics. But, um, you know, this sounded both like a meaningful struggle and ultimately fairly productive by the end. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. And also, I mean, she had the, her child before the Saturn return started, but then we see Venus there in the fifth house in a night chart, which mm -hmm. means the most positive planet in the chart is in the fifth house of children, right. which is nice in terms of offsetting and maybe making a more um, positive experience in the topic of children than it could be otherwise if there was no positive thing there and if it was just Saturn ruling the fifth house in a night chart or, or Saturn in the fifth house in a night chart. Mm -hmm. Definitely agree. And that Venus also happens to rule the ascendant since it's Libra rising. Mm -hmm. And so okay. she is being very intentional about, about how she's raising her child, which makes a lot of sense with the ascendant ruler being placed in the fifth and putting more focus there. Yeah, she's taking on the agency of the benefic and she's doing the best to offset things to raise her child as best as she can and to offset the kind of harsh fourth house things that she's perhaps recognizes as having inherited from her parents. Right, exactly. That's great. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's a good example. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. Okay. 
So the next one, this is going to be another Libra rising, Saturn in the fourth. This is a second Saturn return person, so there's no co-presence of Uranus or Neptune there in Capricorn. So just um, Saturn ruling the fourth and the fifth. This is, actually I'm not sure if this is a day or night chart. This is very close to the descendant. I mean, um, it depends on if the how accurate the time is. Right, it, exactly. It looks like it's a exact time, so it should theoretically be a day chart. It's rounded to the 10 minutes, so hard oh. to say. But anyway, um, so this one, um, this is going to be a little longer, but I love this example. It gives it like a lot of context. Okay, so this person, in terms of the natal placement, she wrote, I was born into abject poverty without a father, and I grew up in the gutter. It was a pretty gutter because it was always rural, but dirty and cold in winter nevertheless. The mother, My mother was eccentric, to say the least, and charismatic. Through her legacy, I inherited direct access to the English establishment, i.e. a big country house estate from which gender disinherited her. Thus, the role of patriarchy was always present despite the total absence of a human father. So already we see a bunch of the natal placements that are going to get reactivated, right, in the fourth house. Mm -hmm. So the father being absent, which, you know, Saturn can sometimes be a lack of something, mm -hmm. um, and at least initially. And so Saturn is there, and then also some poverty. Um, and just that, the, yeah, there were some interesting things. I don't know we have time to, like, go through, but interesting things with regard to the uh, English lineage piece. Um, anyway, Saturn in the fourth meaning, like, lineage was very important, however it was going for her. Okay, so her first Saturn return, she said, I really- Having a, a fourth house, night chart Saturn in the fourth house, I've seen as pretty commonly um, sometimes struggling with the absence of a parent. Mm -hmm, definitely. Like the loss of a parent or the parent not being there, the parent being hidden in some way, and right. the partially like a lifelong struggle with that that it sort of sets up with the native. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and that's why I read that piece, because it's an interesting like step-by-step -step explanation of this chart example. Yeah, I like that also that she used the keywords, which you don't hear very often, but she she used the keywords dirty and cold, Yes, uh, which are both Saturn significations in ancient astrology. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this whole example is really evocative, and that's why I wanted to include it, even though it's a little longer. Um, the first Saturn return, she said, I realized my family of origin, this is 30 years ago, by the way, um, I realized my family of origin was a serious impediment to my progress. This had begun when Saturn squared midheaven and completed with the Saturn return. The first Saturn return involved reviewing all I had learned from my origins, where the damage to my psyche lay, and how unreal my career ambitions were, all things considered. Needless to say, it was painful and led to an entirely necessary breakdown as I processed the loss and grieved. This included revising completely my career plans and realizing, albeit quite still unconsciously, that what I needed most was a secure base I could call my own, where my own children could grow up more safely. So there's lots of things in there that are interesting. Um, the having to consciously revise career plans and decide that some of them were unrealistic, she has a um, an opposition from Mars in the 10th house to Saturn in the 4th. Mm -hmm. So it does bring in those career matters during the Saturn return because of that. Okay. So that's one piece. I also like the, the ruler of that 10th house is the moon, which is conjunct Neptune, and the notion of the mm -hmm. career plans being unrealistic mm -hmm. is funny, spot on, like keyword there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also loved that she wrote that she was reviewing what she'd learned from her origins. Origins is a fourth house thing where you come from, things that came before you, basically, yeah. what your foundation is. And um, also the um, needing, realizing that she needed a secure base, which is a fourth house thing. Yeah. So that was all 
the, during the first, first Saturn return 30 years ago. Exactly. And then now in the past three years, she's gone through her second Saturn return. Yes. And one more quote I wanted to just um, emphasize there was, needless to say, it was, a painf- it was painful and led to an entirely necessary breakdown as I processed the loss and grieved. And that's just like a general thing that sometimes comes up during Saturn returns. Things break, but sometimes they need to break. Mm. Right. Right? Yeah, some things need to break in order to set up something new. Right, exactly. And processing that loss. Um, Okay, so next, the second phase she's talking about in between the two returns, the second phase of my Saturn cycles, I would characterize as my attempting to establish myself as an entity in my own right, i.e. where I was and with whom. During this period, I bought a house with my partner, married, had a child, divorced, and became completely estranged from my only parent, bought and sold more property, became fully established as a property owner without debt, changed career completely, and became a sole caregiver to my only child who is severely disabled by chronic illness. It was very hard, but rewarding work. Towards the end of my cycle, my career was profoundly and unexpectedly stalled by my daughter's illness. My social world changed radically and became uncannily quiet compared to what I had known. I was never depressed without reason. And again, there's like lots of rich pieces in there that are evocative of these significations. So um, buying a house is a fourth house thing. Um, There were a few things emphasizing those property ownership, um, Mm -hmm. that that was like really important Mm -hmm. with Saturn in the fourth. Becoming estranged from the other parent that she had grown up with, fourth house parents. and and some of these are making me think it was a night chart because this is rounded to 10 minutes and it's so close to the angle there. Right. Um, and then becoming a sole caregiver to her only child who's severely disabled by chronic illness. That sounds like a Saturn in a night chart ruling the fifth. Yeah, that's a pretty good um, Saturn ruling the fifth house becoming activated during the Saturn return signification. Mm-hmm. And this was... Um, yeah, this is also that it was impacting her career. Saturn is the ruler of the fifth and the fourth, but it's in aspect to Mars in the 10th house of career. And so something about the fifth house Saturn rulership was impacting her ability to do her career towards the end there. Yeah, so it's like that opposition is getting activated no matter what mm-hmm. between Saturn and Mars and that tension then between the fourth and the 10th, but it is really tricky. I mean, I'm leaning more towards you thinking that it's Saturn in a night chart, mm-hmm. but some of the career stuff would also make sense if that was one of the areas of greatest struggle for her um, with Mars in a night chart in the 10th, but maybe that's not the area of greatest struggle. It's the fourth mm-hmm. and the fifth house things that are. I think it's sounding to me like they are, like the fourth and the fifth, and it's just the opposition, you know, because there's right. going to be the opposition either way. No matter what. Yeah. Okay, so, and I love that last statement. I was never depressed without reason. You could read that a lot of different ways, honestly, but it reads to me, at least to some extent, as like acknowledging genuine struggle mm-hmm. rather than like, you know, feeling bad that you shouldn't be having a hard time, which I think is like actually a really positive Saturn um, expression, regardless of whether you have a day or a night chart. Sure. Acknowledge- acknowledging genuine difficulty. Okay, and having like proper perspective. Second Saturn return. I reviewed the events. Wait, so this was, was the in last between. paragraph. Yeah, so she was recounting basically like what the cycle was in between her first and second Saturn return. Okay. Yeah. So now we're getting onto the second yeah. Saturn return. Yeah. So second Saturn return. I reviewed the events, decisions, and consequences of action of my actions since my first Saturn return. 
I was reconciled to them all as not necessarily what I had hoped for or intended, often disappointing in fact, but in reality the best that could have been achieved in the circumstances. Strangely, during the retrograde, I mourned again the loss of my childhood dreams despite knowing they were unrealistic and unhelpful. It has been excruciatingly slow, and yet I do not feel I have discovered anything I didn't already know, unlike the first return, where the realization of what family meant to me was deeply shocking. However, unlike the first time, now the cycle is close to being complete. My way ahead is looking remarkably promising. In spite of COVID, in spite of the tragically severe, unpredicted, and painful disabling of my only child, and in spite of living in a place that I would never have chosen had I not become a div divorcee and single parent to a chronically and severely sick adult child, I feel as secure as I could hope to feel. Here's the irony. I am becoming a systemic family therapist. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so that last bit, um, I love that perspective, and it's a really good um, characteristic of the second Saturn return, reviewing the events that have happened since the first Saturn return, mm -hmm. like looking back rather than trying to first establish yourself, with a, which is more of a first Saturn return thing. So reviewing. And also, I love that sentence about reconciling oneself to basically you did the best you could, even if it wasn't everything you could have hoped for in the world. Hmm. And I like that because, and that can apply to lots of different circumstances, but it's a very Saturn thing as well, sort of acceptance of reality. Right. Yeah. And proper perspective and Saturn, you know, throughout the life cycle is like gradually concretizing more and more and therefore excluding more and more from what you can do versus what is potential. Mm. As you live your life, you're like doing more of like what you're doing, but that is automatically excluding lots of other things you could do in in you know in an ideal world. Yeah, that's a good point about just the Saturn Saturn transit, Saturn placement, Saturn return in general is the excluding of that which you cannot do, and coming to realizations of what what's realistic versus what's not, and sifting through the those the two and and putting. Different options into the correct categories during your center return. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, and then of course at the end there, here's the irony: I'm becoming a systemic family therapist. That's very Saturn in the fourth. After you've reviewed lots of your own Saturn in the fourth stuff, you have a lot of perspective to help others with potentially. Right, definitely. Yeah, and it's tied in with her career with Mars in the tenth. Okay. So. Um, I love this example because it gives a lot of perspective. It gives both first Saturn return and second Saturn return significations. And also it gives perspective for people who are only before or at their first Saturn return of mm. kind of what that whole repeating cycle can be about. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess one of the things we'll have to do uh, in the future, because we wrote articles about this on Saturn return stories and we did different ones that were interesting. Like um, we did one for JK Rowling at one point like 10 years ago about her Saturn return and that was when she finished the Harry Potter manuscript the very mm. first book mm -hmm. and then like the squares like the first square and that's when some of the movies came out and then the opposition and that's when like the final book came out and then the waning square and then the next return and I think you did other ones for other celebrities and stuff like that but we'll have to mm -hmm. do an episode to Talk about that Saturn cycle and the four like phases of it of like the the Saturn return, the opening waxing square, the opposition, the waning square, and then the return again. Mm -hmm. um, just because all of these stories get told as like a continuous piece that you actually have to see 
the cycle play out in order to fully understand it. And that's part of what everybody's doing at their set and return is they're reviewing that past cycle of 30 years. And especially when they start doing that, the ones that stick out the most in the rearview mirror are going to be those those squares and oppositions that happen in seven-year increments. Mm-hmm, definitely. So we're kind of glossing over those pieces, and this is the example so far that has alluded to some of those pieces the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's more intermediate um, steps in between. Right. Okay. Um, anything else about the one? No, I think that's it. Cool. Thanks for that example. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, are we moving on to the fifth house, or we have one more fourth house? I think we have one more fourth house, and I can try to summarize it a little bit more to go more quickly. Um, but this is another one: Libra rising, Saturn in the fourth. This is a first Saturn return, so Saturn with Neptune and Uranus in the fourth house in a day chart. The Sun is up there in the tenth house, so it's definitely a day chart, and closely conjunct Jupiter, exalted in um, Cancer, and Jupiter in a day chart being the most positive planet. So you see. There's a Saturnian fourth house thing going on um, of restriction or reality principle, but then there's a really positive career house thing going on at the same time, but they're in an opposition. Oppositions typically to the Saturn return usually mean you have to consciously try to balance two totally different things around the same time frame. Right. And the, that, the tensions in those two areas of the life. Mm-hmm, and that's what happens in this example. Um, she wrote um, in July 2018, she got an award as one of the 10 best international students at her university. She was working um, on her thesis, planning to go to her home country. She was studying abroad to write her thesis afterwards. In September 2018, her grandma died. Um, She said it was a real shock because she was in good health and she was only 75. And it was very traumatic at the time, but it was also the reason for her slow self-analyzing time that came after that. And she decided since her grandfather then was kind of in shock and alone in his home country because all the rest of her immediate family were in other countries by that point, she decided to go back to her home country and stay with him as a support while she was writing her thesis. And so you you have the 10th house thing and the 4th house thing going on. So a family member, especially an older family member who came before you, um, needing help um, and also a loss of another family member, um, but still balanced with that tension of really positive 10th house stuff going on that you have to keep going at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so she said she f- found herself alone in her home house after 10 years of living abroad. She was writing her thesis. Um, she said, I was preparing my PhD research proposal sent- and I sent it around mid-May. I passed the first round and I knew I would have an interview in, in Italy at the end of June. My grandfather's health situation got worse, to- worse in June, though. And I was spending my days at their house. He died the day Pluto crossed my natal Saturn degree in June 2019. We had the funeral, and the day after it, I took the plane to go to the interview for the PhD position in in late July. I got the information that I got accepted to the PhD position. And October, I came back to Italy. And it goes on, but basically she got her position, and then she said, I passed my first year of PhD studies alone in Italy with lots of time to process everything. Um, and with a world pandemic going on at the same time. So there's a lot of fourth house and 10th house stuff in tension. And I thought this was a really good example of, on the one hand, really great Jupiter stuff going on in tension with that Saturn in the fourth. And she was trying her best to do both at the same time. Yeah. One of the things that reminds me of mentioning the Pluto is just that other piece there of, you know, this some of these being unique depending on the degrees involved of getting like the Saturn Pluto conjunction mm-hmm. in the sky 
for some people happening so close to certain natal positions and yeah. then you getting uh you know a dose of both at the same time which can be very intense or it reminds me of in the last episode I did in December earlier this month the one right before this on Bitcoin how the um birth chart of Bitcoin had the sun at 13 degrees of Capricorn mm. so that in um like 2014 I think it was in the spring, it got hit by this simultaneous transit of Pluto conjoining the natal sun and then transiting Uranus was squaring to the degree at the same time. And then transiting like Jupiter was opposing and transiting Mars was retrograde and squaring all at 13 degrees of the cardinal signs all at the same time. And then there was some crazy, um, like the largest Bitcoin. Um, a bank basically got hacked, and all the bitcoins got stolen by hackers, and then the price just like dropped, and it was like a death of Bitcoin for a while. Mm -hmm. But just how, depending on certain degrees, sometimes people can get hit by not just a Saturn return, but also like a Pluto transit at the same time, and how that's mm -hmm. very unique. Or in the fall, just a few months ago, anybody that had Saturn around twenty-five degrees of um, Capricorn got hit by not just Saturn. I think it's stationed at 25 degrees, but Mars squared it at 25 degrees, I think, mm -hmm. simultaneously in like late September. Mm -hmm. True. Or early September. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So here, um, yeah, quite right. So the her natal Saturn was almost 22 Capricorn, and the Saturn Pluto conjunction happened at almost 23 Capricorn. Right. So it was very close to that. It's also within a few degrees square the ascendant. And very closely opposite her son in particular. And it's interesting, actually, the son is ruling the 11th house of friends and groups in this chart. And she actually also added in the longer email that she had a friend um, die who was only 29 during her Saturn return. And that's the rulership of the 11th house. That was one of the planets that got hit most closely by the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Right. Okay. So opposing the ruler of the 11th house. Mm -hmm, exactly. So you have a lot of evocative 10th house career stuff, really bright career things happening. Her trying to balance that exactly at the same time as going back to her home country, a fourth house matter, um, spending a lot of time alone um, at home, which is also a Saturn in the fourth type of feel, and helping older family members and having older family members pass away, which is also Saturn in the fourth. She also had sim um, simultaneously Uranus going through Taurus in the early degrees over a couple placements there. So I'm not surprised there were a couple deaths because... Um, she does have Mars and the Moon in Taurus in the early degrees in the eighth house. And that, I mean, that's worth mentioning also is just the, even though as the traditions progressed, it's tended to focus on the eighth house for death and mortality, that traditionally the fourth house was one of the places of death. And that does actually mm -hmm. come up as relevant sometimes as well, the fourth house for mortality issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I like one of the things I like about all these, some of the examples that we've been going through recently, I think especially this, and maybe it was the last one or one before that, was how we're focused on the Saturn return and the Saturn return story over the past three years. But sometimes there's this funny overarching um, theme in terms of what the native's life is focused on consistently for long periods of time from the ruler of the ascendant and the house that mm. it's placed in. Mm -hmm. um, in this instance, the ruler of the ascendant being in the ninth house and some of these themes of foreign travel and focusing on their education and getting their degrees mm -hmm. being long-term projects versus like, I think it was the last example, the ruler of the ascendant in the fifth house, or maybe it was two examples back. Two examples ago. Yeah, definitely. And if you complexify this and look at all the pieces, which will take us all day, mm. um, but you have to take that into account when you're looking at someone's Saturn return because those 
those background pieces are still going to be foundational, even if they're not exactly tied into the Saturn itself. Right. Yeah. What is the the native's life about in a universal sense, or if you're taking mm-hmm. a bird's eye view, look at it? Exactly. All right. Um, anything else about that example? No, I think that's all. Cool. Thank you for that uh, anonymous person. All right, let's do one more fourth house example and then we'll move on to the fifth house. Okay, sounds good. All right. All right, so this one, again, Libra rising, Saturn in the fourth, ruling the fourth and fifth. Um, This is going to be, someone said, the past three years have been very weird for me. I started to get way more into astrology and getting back into spirituality, but not too religious nor conspiracy realms following the moon cycles and trying to understand that in paganism and in astrology. I've had a career shift, kind of. I'm an artist-writer. I've been working more with history projects, archive projects. I am very keen in learning more about LGBTQ plus history and how it's documented in the archives, which is very poor. I've also gone under two and a half years of therapy, diagnosed with complex PTSD. When I was 29, I came out to my parents, who I don't have great relationships with either, but I try. It wasn't the best news for them, but I've been out to my friends since I was 16 or 17. It felt like the right time. When I was 23, my sister physically assaulted me. Last year, she finally apologized after six years of trying to get something out of her. My relationship with my family has been very up and down in the last five years, but especially in the last two years, it's been intense. But I am a fighter for common sense and no childishness. In a couple weeks, I'm moving back to my dad's as I have no money left to rent where I am again, pandemic. And at 29, I had my first cancer scare. Well, I'm still in that scare because of the pandemic. I was also diagnosed with sarcoidosis in the skin and lungs. So that was her story. Yeah, I, I, one of the pieces of that that I liked was um, the mention really quick, really briefly of, of during the Saturn return coming out to their parents who they didn't necessarily have a great relationship with Mm -hmm. because it brought out the so it's a it's a libra rising chart with saturn ruling the fifth house and placed in the fourth house in a night chart chart. Mm -hmm. so that's a pretty good um fifth house fourth house combination night chart saturn experience Mm -hmm, for sure and then moving back in with her dad near the end it's also a fourth house thing both parents and your living situation are fourth house topics the part i actually was um thought was most interesting was delving more into the topics of history and archives particularly the archives of um sort of queer ancestors, you know, Mm -hmm. basically. And that's a very fifth and fourth um, history and archives. I mean, I actually see archives a lot um, in the 12th as well, but, and she does actually have the ruler of the 12th in the fourth, but the fourth is also history, the past, things that came before you. Um, And so I really like that um, sort of unique archive piece of the fourth house. Yeah, one of the other things that mentioned um, cancer scare and some health issues and the ascendant is at 17 degrees of Libra and Saturn mm-hmm. is at 18 degrees of Capricorn in a night chart. So that means, you know, anytime Saturn returns back to its exact degree, it's also squaring the degree of the ascendant at the same time, which can mm-hmm. represent the body and physical vitality. So there can be some challenge to that. And Saturn, typical like Saturn ailments, I mean, cancer is one of them, but also issues with the skin, mm-hmm. issues with the bones, mm-hmm. and issues with the teeth can be very common, like Saturn type things that come up. Definitely. And in addition to Saturn being closely by degree square the ascendant, 
She also has the ascendant ruler Venus in Capricorn, um, so conjunct Saturn. Mm. Um, and then she also has the moon, the sectlite, in the in a night chart in the fourth house in Capricorn. So she has like several, like three different indications here of things that could affect the body. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's it. I, there wasn't mm-hmm. much else I wanted to mention about that because I wanted to start going through, wanted to like try and include as many examples as we can, but it also mm. means we can't. Uh, linger on some of as yeah. some of them as much as we might want. Definitely. All right. So ready? Yes. All right. So we're now transitioning into the fifth house, I believe. Um. Yes. Except I don't see the chart. All right. So here's significations. We already talked about the fifth house for children, creativity, pleasure, sex. Sixth house because this is going to shift us to our ruler of the, Saturn, also ruling the sixth with Aquarius. Sixth house traditionally can be things like illness, injuries, work, and subordinates. Um, also, pets. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think those are some of the main ones. All right. Do we have a? Is this the next chart? I think we're actually missing the chart, but I can read it anyway. Okay. Because that's a good one. I mean, it's a very apt one for fifth house. Yeah, read it, and I'll see if I can get it together. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Um, so this one is um, fifth house example with Saturn placed in the fifth and ruling the fifth and the sixth. And um, this person said, my son, who is 26, now has had a chronic illness since he was six years old. So in the past two years, he underwent four major surgeries. He is okay now, but it has been a difficult Saturn return for, for her because it has not been his Saturn return yet. Um, so I wanted to point out that this was not just Saturn in the fifth. And if I'm remembering right, I think this is a night chart. Um, but we'll see if you can pull up the chart in a couple minutes. But um, it's not just Saturn in the fifth, but it's also Saturn ruling the sixth placed in the fifth, which connects the topics together. And so the topic of illness, sixth house, with the child, fifth house, and with Saturn overlay. Um, so then she wrote, my daughter is not an easy kid, but my relationship with her has changed for the better in the last two to three years, thanks to astrology, since I understand her much better now. Um, Take a look. Is this the chart? Yeah. Yes. So it's Virgo rising with Saturn uh, in Jupiter and Capricorn in the fifth whole sign house. It's a day chart, and we're talking second Saturn return currently mm. for this person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they had their first yes. first Saturn return in the late eighties yeah, and the, early nineties, and yeah. this is the second one. This is the second Saturn return. Yeah. Okay. Um, so issues with both children. Um, the first one having a bunch of major surgeries with ruler the sixth and the fifth, and then the second one just um, <clears throat> sort of developing her relationship in a more positive fashion with the second child, and she also wrote, "I got unexpected retirement offer at work, and then started started studying astrology after that." And I thought that was actually interesting pull in here. I mean, part of it was just that Uranus was going over her son in the ninth in terms of studying astrology. Mm. But um, she has Venus in Aries in the eighth house, ruling the second house of income and the ninth house, which astrology traditionally goes in. And Mercury also in the eighth, ruling the first house of self and 10th house of career. So it was like um, the Saturn return, since it was square to those Aries planets, was actually pulling in those topics as well. Um, So I thought that was interesting, just the unexpected retirement offer at work that allowed her to start studying astrology, which was thereby a piece of how she um, improved her relationship with her other child. Nice. Okay. They're all kind of like indirectly connected in the chart. Yeah. Um, 
but that's a pretty good example, especially in the focus on the basically um, children and children having some issues, and then um, some sixth house coming up in terms of sickness with the children or in terms of work things. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, yeah, and it's a good example also of your Saturn return, depending on what house topics it's focused on, mm-hmm. can be more focused on other people in your life and not just what's going on with you. Yes, that's a really good point that sometimes it's not about you, sometimes it's about people around you and things that are happening in your life that you're seeing echoes of in your chart, mm-hmm. but you may not see the full uh, details of in your chart because it's it's actually happening in somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that can still affect you or involve you or um, your reactions to it can sometimes be relevant in the chart. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay. Okay, so I think we're at sixth house after that. Okay, so that was our fifth house example. Mm-hmm. That was funny. That's also funny because one of our, I remember one of our Saturn return examples from Saturn and Sagittarius with Saturn in the fifth was not having the person having their first child. Mm-hmm. It was having like an unexpected, like second or third child that mm-hmm. was not planned for right. and that sort of pushed the native over a limit in terms of what they were able to handle. So it ended Mm -hmm. up being like a very difficult three-year period that was brought on sort of by the arrival of another child. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that could definitely be a Saturn in fifth too. Yeah. All right. So sixth house, we've already talked about the significations, Mm -hmm. um, illness, Illness, In- injuries, work, subordinates, mm, work, subordinate positions, etc. This is also going to shift us to seventh house becoming relevant. So mm-hmm. relation relationships, partnership, marriage, and other people in the person's life in general. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So both romantic and business partnerships. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what is our? Let me pull it up. Is that so, correct? Mm-hmm. So this is going to start our Leo rising examples with Saturn in the sixth and Capricorn. Um, so this one she wrote, I live in England and employed am employed as a housekeeper for a wealthy family. I do all the cleaning, laundry, cooking, etc. Think of a smaller Downton Abbey. This maybe makes sense with my full sixth house, me having a subor- quote subordinate role, which is, you know, definitely can be a thing, like being an assistant, even like if you're a high level assistant sometimes with sixth house stuff. Yeah, totally. And and the chart placements for those listening to the audio version, it's a it's a Leo rising chart with Saturn, Neptune, Mercury, and Uranus in Capricorn in the sixth whole sign house. Mm-hmm. And Saturn ruling the sixth and seventh. Right. Okay. Then <clears throat> she wrote, "My work moved to part time, so I trained as a yoga teacher, and then I started teaching classes." And doing um, body-focused work is also a sixth house topic for some people. So massage therapists or body workers or um, tai chi teachers, anything that's like body-related can be a sixth house thing as well. Yeah, sometimes just modalities that have to do with health and healing, Mm -hmm. which can also sometimes extend to like doctors. Doctors, nurses, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, She wrote, I also sought out counseling for myself to help with some fears I was having about becoming a mother. Um, moon in the 12th, question mark, um, because this person does also have the moon in the 12th house. I noted also that she has the ruler of the fifth house, which is Sagittarius, Jupiter in the 12th house as well. So I could see there being some fears surrounding having children. Mm. Um, 
So let's see. Um, then she got engaged during her Saturn return. Saturn is ruling the seventh, though the wedding was postponed due to COVID. Um, she wrote, while, my, while the UK and much of the world was on lockdown, my yoga classes had to stop in person and I had to start teaching on Zoom. My housekeeping job carried on as normal. And I just wanted to note that the Uranus co-presence in the sixth often is about um, using technologies for work. And so she switched to having, of course, lots of people have had to switch to doing that, but, you know, it can be something more um, long-lasting for those placements natally. Mm -hmm. um, then she said she got pregnant, which was unplanned. She found out six days after the June 5th, 2020 eclipse in her fifth house, which is the first eclipse in Sagittarius there. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Leo rising people that I started noticing getting uh, pregnant basically mm -hmm. around the time of that eclipse in Sagittarius back in June. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> She said, unfortunately, because of the pregnancy, I had some. I had a work issue with my housekeeping job, which made me realize I wanted to leave the job. I live on a farm estate where I work as part of the job, so we needed to find somewhere else to live if I was to leave. We hunted for houses for a couple months and found the perfect house on the Pisces full moon in September. We put in an offer and had it accepted and arranged a mortgage all in one day. And the full moon would actually be in the eighth house. Um, and the eighth house is, of course, shared resources, which you would do, be doing with your partner if you're buying a house together, but also the banking mortgage. Um, but the ruler, Jupiter, is that, I mean, it was the full moon was the timing of it, but the ruler Jupiter is actually pulled into her Saturn return because it's opposite um, the, the uh, Capricorn planets and Cancer there. Okay. So um, then let's see. Um, her last, she said, my last day on my job is going to be December 14th which is in two days from the day we're recording here today, which is three days before her Saturn return ends. Wow. Yeah. And um, and so the last little sort of addendum was that she's going to be relying on others' resources for a year while she's looking after her newborn baby, which is partly due to her moving into an eighth house perfection year at age 31, but also, again, that eighth house ruler tied into her Saturn return of shared resources being part of her work. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Okay, and this is a night chart with Venus in the seventh whole sign house. So that's also something worth mentioning in terms of that, and in, in that it was activating seventh house stuff as part of her Saturn return and like relationships mm -hmm. and marriage and partnership. Um, but there was that nice like offsetting factor of having the most positive planet, which is Venus in a night chart, being in the seventh whole sign house. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's a really great sixth house example. She. Kind of wanted to get out of her sort of subordinate job, um, although it wasn't like the worst job in the world. She started learning um, yoga, teaching, started teaching classes after she went through yoga teacher training. And so that's a bodywork sixth house thing. Um, yeah, pretty good sixth house example. Oh, and you know, this is another, this is a good example of mitigating another mitigating position I forgot to mention, but we mentioned in like every other podcast, which is um, if you look at the degree of the midheaven, it's at 12 Taurus. Mm, yeah. So Saturn is configured by a trine to that within three degrees. Mm -hmm. And that often happens when that happens, when a sixth house planet gets mitigated, that's often when you see the more constructive manifestations of the planet in that house, even if it's a difficult house. Mm -hmm, so in this instance, the sixth house. Yeah, definitely. And some of this is getting reiterated too because she also has Mercury, which is the ruler of the second house of income, your source of income, placed in the sixth, a very close conjunction with all of those planets and trying the midheaven as well. Okay. So Mercury is also mitigated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice chart. Mm -hmm. Great example. Good. Kudos to that person. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. 
Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a good one. That's a a night chart one, but a relatively constructive night chart one then. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Um, so moving on. Yes, there's another Leo rising one with Saturn in Capricorn in the sixth. Again, same generation. Saturn returns. So Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, all in Capricorn in the sixth, as well as Mercury there, too. Um, and this one. Let's see, she said less than two weeks after Saturn's ingress into Capricorn, she met an important relationship partner. They started a life together, moved in together in a shared home or planning for the future. And then in September of 2019, that partner left without, sort of abruptly, without being able to explain why. And she was left in shock and, quote, what very much felt like hell. And I was noting the Uranus and Neptune co-presence with Saturn there because the Uranus being for some sometimes abrupt happenings. Um, compared to just Saturn alone there. Right. And then the Neptune being the confusion, because she was kind of describing in, um, in more her own words that like she was very confused about why the person left and that he couldn't even really fully explain why he needed to leave. And so there was some nebulousness around the whole situation. And this is the ruler of the seventh house, Saturn, with Uranus and Neptune. Yeah, classic Neptune stuff involving whatever significators, just sometimes something happening and it not being clear to the person who owns the chart like why or there being some mysteriousness mm-hmm. surrounding it, which sometimes like many years later, they'll have another transit and it'll get clarified, but mm-hmm. other times it can be something that you just never find out. Definitely. Um, she also wrote that she experienced several different major health issues for the first time ever in her life and that seemed very much out of her control. And again, that's that sixth house stellium with Saturn there in a night chart in the um, in the sixth house of health and illness. And sometimes it is more um, confusing as to how to try to heal or if there is a way to heal from some of those issues when Uranus and Neptune are there, particularly Neptune, because again, that nebulousness factor can sometimes sort of obscure the clarity of like what exactly is happening or what you need to do. I've seen that a lot with um, those placements in the sixth. Yeah. And... Saturn sometimes just being things that are compulsory or things that are outside of your control that just mm-hmm. happen or, or are forced on you and then you have to deal with. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that one. Okay. Uh, let's see. And there's one more, sixth house. So this is again Leo rising, Saturn in the sixth, just with Uranus and Neptune. This is a day chart example with Sun and Gemini in the 11th house. So clear day chart. Um, this also has a very close opposition from Venus and Cancer in the 12th house to Uranus and Saturn in particular in the 6th, although that three-planet stellium to some extent. She wrote, My Saturn return started on December 19th, 2017, when Saturn entered Capricorn. On that day, my massage therapy license was issued, signaling a new beginning in career in the health wellness industry, and also legally allowing me to open my own practice so I would be officially self-employed as a massage therapist. Nice. So right out the gate, that's like very clear, great sixth house Saturn return example. Mm-hmm. And again, this is a day chart. So this is like a very constructive thing going on so far with Saturn being something she's already worked towards and planned for. Um, and so it actually manifesting as some success around that early on. Um, she also, you can see, has Saturn at just one degree in Capricorn. So some of the events would start immediately upon that ingress. And although I was still impressed that it was the exact day of the ingress. Yeah, that's that is impressive. And I like that's one of the things to pay attention to is sign ingresses. And it's one of the things that always I felt compelling about whole sign houses is seeing sometimes those topics shift for people really close to the ingress. Mm-hmm. Although this would 
not be a full example of that because like Saturn's so close to the cusp, yeah. it's like right at the beginning of the sign. Yeah, exactly. Um, then she wrote, around the time that my Saturn return was exact, I spent a very difficult Christmas with my parents, with my dad coming to visit during a time when he had relapsed into heavy drinking, and also at a point when where he and my mother had not spoken for over a decade. And then she wrote that in the aftermath, she stopped speaking to her mother for a few months um, because of the conflict around this whole thing. And I thought that was an interesting description, you know, with that um, Saturn opposed Venus in the um, 12th house. Venus is the IC ruler in this chart. Mm. And so there's something about home family parents um, being put into the 12th house opposed Saturn and Neptune and Uranus. Right. And so there's like the Neptune thing, there's the 12th house thing. Sometimes there can be addiction issues with either of those, uh, much less both. Mm -hmm. um, okay, and also estrangement, you know, the role of the IC being in the 12th, so. Yeah, and, and that opposition in general. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, in April 2018, Saturn hit my natal Neptune and then stationed retrograde, traveling back to almost within a degree of my natal Saturn before stationing direct in September. During that time, I made an emergency trip to England in May to see my dad, who, has been, who had been hospitalized due to his alcoholism. And in July, I quit cannabis, a substance I depended on to escape my feelings and my reality. I noticed after quitting cannabis that I started drinking more. I quit drinking in March 2019. Both decisions to quit have led me into deeper, healthier, more substantive relationships with myself and with my closest friends. Um, so you get the ruler of the IC in the 12th hospitalization piece with the father. Mm -hmm. um, you also get the Saturn-Neptune co-presence in the sixth for her, for her own habits. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, and so that's like revising what habits you have, especially if there are habits of escapism such as substance overuse. Mm -hmm. um, then... And I, I actually love that it was the Venus opposition to those planets because of that last piece she wrote that it led her into deeper deeper and more substantive relationships. And that's a Venus kind of general significator. It's like connections with other people. Yeah, as well as possibly overlapping with Saturn ruling the seventh and like your close one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. relationships with the other. Definitely. And she wrote, I would say that throughout my Saturn return, I've struggled a lot with managing my time and the physical energy as I moved into hands-on work and owning a small business. It's been a roller coaster of sometimes successfully sticking to a really strict routine of writing, meditating, doing yoga, praying, and pulling a tarot card or two, or going for a long walk each morning, and then after a few weeks, completely devolving into a Netflix binging, social media addict addicted couch potato. And that sounded really apt for that the, the struggle of Saturn in the sixth, is mm -hmm. like your daily routines and your habits and also how to health healthfully integrate the Neptune rather than it being escapism. Yeah, definitely. That's really brilliant articulation of those things and the contrast, especially some of those keywords at the beginning of the paragraph I liked, like managing my time mm -hmm. and physical energy as moving as I moved into the hands-on work of owning a small business mm -hmm. is so classic, like Saturn sixth house type themes. Right, definitely. And I also noted that the ruler of the 10th house is actually that same Venus opposite Saturn. And so when she got her massage license the day the Saturn return started, that was also like her launching her career, which oh, okay. is the ruler of the 10th house of career. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's good. Yeah. Good stuff. So that's a good example. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. Um, okay. Good job. Uh, let's move on. Let's keep, keep it moving here. <laughs> yeah. 
So I can see going to be a longer of the podcasts. So are we moving into the seventh house at this point? Mm -hmm. Okay. So seventh house, relationships, partnership, marriage, other people. And then this shifts us into Saturn. Um, When Capricorn's on the seventh house, then it's also ruling Aquarius in the eighth whole sign house, which is issues such as death and mortality, inheritance, um, the assets or money belonging to other people, also like shared resources or resources belonging to the partner, whether a business partner or especially the marriage partner if the person is married. Um, also sometimes like taxes. Mm-hmm. Taxes, uh, loans, debts. Loans, debts. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is a Cancer Rising Saturn in the seventh example. I have done a complete, her quote, I have done a complete restructuring and reconceptualization of what committed partnership means to me. I now think of committed partnerships not only in a romantic context, but what it means to continually commit to a partnership with loved ones, not just romantic slash sexual loved ones, but friends I now consider committed partners as well. Mm -hmm. I have significantly blurred the lines between romantic partner and friend partner in a way that feels really transformative, and have even started having conversations I would generally reserve for lovers with friends. For example, intentional, quote, define the relationship style conversations about how I want to continue to commit to our relationship and watching it grow and loving them. So that's already a great um, exposition of that stellium of Uranus, Neptune, Saturn, I think. Right. Right, blurring the lines. Saturn is like really close to conjunct Neptune in the seventh house in this chart. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and so the blurring the lines or um, sort of dissolving some of the boundaries between different types of relationship is very like Saturn-Neptune there. Mm. And I think Uranus, you know, her saying that it felt really transformative to do that Mm. is like the Uranus kind of difference involved. Like Uranus is often something different than the norm or the average. Yeah, something that can, compared to the norm, that can seem unique or... or, um... What's the word for it? Give me some words that are not, because I'm coming up with words like quirky or abnorm- yeah. abnormal, and I'm not trying to stigmatize yeah, it. But unique, just, I mean, difference from the norm, you know, like not average. Not um, average. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because it can also be like innovative or things like that, which yeah. I think she would f- probably feel. Innovative. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, look also, this is a night chart. So it's like we would expect some more challenging type seventh house stuff. But mm. notice the mitigation where we have Venus mm-hmm. in a night chart in its own sign in Libra in the fourth whole sign house at five degrees of Libra overcoming through a superior square, um, also known as domination in Hellenistic astrology in a good sense and, and kind right. of bon- bonifying Saturn and forcing it to be better than it might be otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just noticed, you know, as you said that, the Venus is actually the ruler of the 11th house of friends and groups. Right. And so it is actually the ruler of the 11th house of friends connected to those seventh house conversations, which actually makes additional sense to what she just described. Yeah, and like, she's got the the sect light itself also is the moon, mm-hmm. which is exalted up in Taurus, training right. the Saturn, Neptune stuff. Right, so there's like a couple different connections of oh, like friendships to seventh house c- committed partnership that she's talking about. And that's actually the ruler of the ascendant. So she has cancer mm-hmm. rising with the ruler of the ascendant in the 11th house, yeah. training the seventh house stuff. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's pretty good. Was There There was more to that yeah. one. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. so that was the first part. She, uh, next quote, I learned invaluable and at times painful lessons about my own relationship dynamics, both toxic and healthy, and how I am in dynamic with others. Hold on a sec. Can we yeah. go back? Because I, I just forgot to mention something, that, sure. which is a whole side note tangent. Mm. But the the phrase, I've significantly blurred the lines between 
right. X, which is um, what we're focusing on is the Saturn-Neptune thing. Yeah. And it's just reminding me, because it was coming up again recently, um, the House division debate and how I had identified that where it came up several years ago on the podcast and became a major focus of it for a while during the Saturn-Neptune squares of hmm. 2015 and 2016 when Saturn was transiting through Sagittarius and it was exactly squaring Neptune. Mm-hmm. And I was realizing that the whole house division thing in astrology and the debate surrounding that was a very Saturn-Neptune thing. Mm-hmm. And that's a great keyword for that is like blurring the lines and the lines mm-hmm. between something being unclear or- um, Not just one thing or the other. Like malleable mm-hmm. or uncertain or like wanting to- Pin something down or something that you think that should be, you know, concrete and mm-hmm. should be very distinct, yeah. but in fact ends up being nebulous for some reason that's outside of your control, despite attempting to um, wrangle it into, you, sure. know, you know, normal into categories. Yeah, yeah, into discrete categories. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that as my little aside for Saturn Neptune stuff because that's something mm-hmm. I've been thinking about again when it comes to. House division, and there's such a great articulation of that archetype of the Saturn Neptune archetype here applied to relationships. Right. Yeah, there's a bunch of different ways that can play out, but these are a couple. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, then the next paragraph I learned invaluable and at times painful lessons about my own relationship patterns, both toxic and healthy and how I am in dynamic with others. I most importantly learned to be learned to first be in a healthy primary p- partnership with myself before I can show up in healthy dynamic with others. I had two major romantic partnerships end during my Saturn return and began a few casual but meaningful others. I had a huge influx of dating opportunities come into my life to teach me lessons, and I'm now exiting my Saturn return single and healthier and more in love with myself than I have ever been. If I didn't Sing- learn- Single. Single. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. It is. It's a good, it, like. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> um, if I didn't learn my lesson about toxic relationship patterns in one dynamic, it sure as hell showed up in the next until I finally overcame it. So, I mean, even though this is a night chart and a lot of, you know, there is a lot of mitigation from that overcoming Venus square from Venus and Libra to those mm. planets, it's still Saturn in a night chart in the seventh. And it's also a Saturn return focused on the Saturn Venus square. So relationships in many different forms are like a focus here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was talking through like there were actually toxic patterns either from other people or from herself that she had to work through during her Saturn return. Yeah. The other thing it made me think of is how, again, and it complicates the whole, because I, I want to say they're, they're, the focus on the self is one of the things that comes up naturally when you start getting seventh house transits. Mm-hmm. So Saturn is not just transiting the seventh house, so it's not just coming from the other, but sometimes that opposition then to the ascendant, as well as any first house planets, which there is mm-hmm. one here. Jupiter is in the first house and Cancer on the ascendant degree, mm-hmm. um, causing tension then, and sometimes the tensions that come up in the sphere of relationship causing a reflection and changes to the sense of self, mm-hmm. the first house. But it's kind of complicated here because what what was also happening over the past year and a half is we had those eclipses bouncing back and forth between the seventh and the first, definitely, like accelerating and emphasizing even more um, this sort of period of new beginnings and like culminations um, back and forth between relationships and self. Yeah, absolutely. And her, in her 
circumstance. Additionally, Uranus, for the last year of the Saturn return, Uranus going over the ascendant ruler, the moon here, um, in Taurus, in the 11th house. Oh, yeah. So they're that's, like- That's relevant? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a few different things going on with first house and seventh house stuff. Definitely. Yep. Okay. So okay. that's that's pretty like short and sweet like epitome of Saturn return in the seventh relationship issues. Yeah. Good Good example. And also- there was like a bit of it. Obviously, there's mitigations, but there's almost a bit of a cheeriness in it, despite coming out of it mm -hmm. like single, single yeah. which somebody else might be like, "Oh, that's too bad." Definitely. But there, you know, it really sometimes really depends on your perspective and the perspective that you put on things when you're coming out of it mm -hmm. uh, to a certain extent. Right. It depends on your perspective, and also I think is you know potentially touching on that mitigation from Venus in. Um, Libra in such a close aspect to Saturn and mm. also, you know, can be the piece of like, you know, when you're coming out of your Saturn return, there can be aspects of it, no matter what the chart looks like, where you feel like, wow, I've really grown and learned in this area. And then on a different day, you might be like, oh my God, everything sucks, yeah. you know, and it can go back and forth a bit. <laughs> That's a good point. Like if we had checked in on the in the middle of it, like during the middle of like a bad breakup or something like that, mm -hmm. when you hadn't gotten like distance and perspective and like um gone on philosophical musings about the right. broad the broader like meaning of it all. Yes. Um where you might not be in necessarily such a cheery mood. Exactly. So yeah. just, you know, know that like all of that is healthy. Sure. <laughs> the whole mix. It's a process. Yep. It's a process. Okay. So that uh, moves us to the eighth house. We are moving right along at a at a pace of <laughs> only like two or three hours into this. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, the next one's going to be an eighth house example with Gemini rising. Um, and then our significations. Oh, yeah. yeah so. so eighth house, we've already got death, inheritance, assets of others. Ninth house, travel, foreign matters, education, religion, also things like astrology or other metaphysical, mystical arts mm -hmm. and sciences. Yep. Anything else? Um, foreign, foreign people, yeah. foreign places. Cross-cultural experiences, um, but they're all kind of similar in yeah there. okay um okay so gemini rising saturn and capricorn in the eighth house it looks like this one is going to be a second saturn return um this person i'm just reading a couple quotes um they wrote heavy 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 mentally physically and emotionally so exhausting no energy i learned about reducing lost my dad to a terrible disease lost my inheritance to his wife lost my way, my core, even lost three of my cats, found more internal strength that I can do with even way less, grew stronger bonds with people they, that- They actually emphasized that. So way they said, less. Yeah, you got to like enunciate. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They okay. said that I can do with even way less. Yes. Okay. <laughs> grew stronger bonds with the people that matter, dove deep, and found that I am more resilient than I thought. And I really loved that paragraph because on the one hand, um, it brought out several different pieces of the eighth house. So losing a parent, um, at the eighth house mortality, losing a parent, losing an inheritance, that's another eighth house thing, mm -hmm. um, to his wife. So it's something about a shared resource that was lost. This is Saturn in the eighth, Saturn house, in the eighth house in a night chart. Yes. So it's like loss of a parent, deal, having to deal with Death and mortality mm -hmm. is a, a common eighth house theme. Right. And then also inheritance is typically an eighth, eighth house, house theme, but 
in this case, because it's Saturn and it's a night chart, it's like the negation of inheritance, like mm-hmm. having something that was supposed to come to you, but then having it go awry or be denied by somebody else taking it. Yeah. Which is something we see come up in other houses if you actually pay attention, that notion of like diversion or something being snatched away that mm-hmm. otherwise would have been the normal experience of that house. Right. Cause sometimes it's just obstacles and then sometimes some other times it's actually a no. And it can vary. Yeah, and a no or also a like something is like fraudulently taken, taken from yeah. you. Mm-hmm, like right. that's one of the funny things about how some of the second house astrol uh, the second century astrologers talk about the malefics is sometimes attributing them to like thieves and mm-hmm. crooks and what what are the scenarios in life in which something is robbed or like taken from you. Like wrong wrongfully like taken something that should be yours. Yeah. Yeah, like like wrongdoing or mm-hmm. theft or or other things like that. Right. Yeah. So this was an example of some of those things. So one of the things I liked about that paragraph was those specific signific- significations. She said even lost three of my cats. So there were like multiple losses. Um but then that the second half of the paragraph was like kind of on the way up. You know, like growing in strength, understanding that one could do with so much less than you would assume. That's, um, a, that's a huge Saturn theme, like, yes. like learning to live with less mm-hmm. and realizing that you can survive on less than you ever thought that you could because you grow accustomed to a certain level of, of what you then consider to be the bare minimum. But what mm-hmm. happens when that is ripped away from you and you find yourself still living and still surviving even though you're doing so in far less than you ever thought you could ever survive on before. Right. And that is even more emphasized in the current Saturn returns, which was Saturn-Pluto. Because that's a that's a definite Saturn-Pluto type of transit yeah. of like a deep loss. Because it just like amplifies or intensifies the tendency that Saturn already has to take away. Right, right. Or a major, major overhaul, like a cataclysmic overhaul, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. which has happened for some people. Um, okay, so that was the perf- first paragraph. Um, second, personally, the lockdown has given me the time, and she was talking about the, um, the COVID um, shutdowns of work. Personally, the lockdown has given me the time and space to work through the Saturn, Jupiter, Pluto in Capricorn conjunct my natal Saturn. On one hand, there were restrictions, but on the other, it felt like total freedom. I felt like a kid on the first day of summer, and I had what felt like an inf- infinity stretched out before me to play and explore. Again, no distractions and very limited obligations as well. No daily life grind getting in the way, no demands of other people. So intense freedom in the midst of severe restrictions. And I was kind of curious, I, I feel like that was bringing in some of the ninth house significations of um, time and space to explore Mm. um, and freedom, you know, because the ninth is more like reaching outward to things that are foreign to you or that are beyond your everyday life, um, whereas the eighth very much is not. Right. And so, and it really felt like she was describing the eighth and then the ninth, like even though I don't know if she was consciously doing that. Right. Um, So that was an interesting combination. So and this was a second Saturn return? This was a second Saturn return. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And- as long as we have this calculated correctly, because I think this is one where we had a little bit of ambiguity, but I think we have it calculated correctly. There's an interesting, due to the um, location mm-hmm. shift here in terms of the the house placement, because Saturn, it's early Gemini rising, if we have it correct, and Saturn mm-hmm. is in the eighth whole sign house, but the degree of the midheaven is actually at 29 Capricorn. Mm-hmm. 
conjunct Saturn at 25 Capricorn. So right. the, the Midheaven's actually in the eighth whole sign house, hmm. conjunct Saturn and making it a bit more prominent and maybe importing some other significations. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so I just thought that was a really interesting interplay that, you know, the person themselves was pointing out of intense freedom in the midst of severe restriction. Mm. And one, I felt like maybe there was like that interplay of Saturn ruling both the eighth and the ninth during the transit. Maybe it was also something about Neptune simultaneously transiting the 10th house and having sort of like the freedom to just like have absence of career for a while. She's kind of talking about not having to do the everyday grind. Right. Um, but I also just wondered, it felt a little bit like that sort of older, wiser Saturnian reflection of like that there are internal experiences that you can have that are more positive, even when there are external circumstances that you really would not prefer to happen. Yeah, it's like the saying, it's only after you've lost everything that you're free to do anything. Yeah, it, it just felt so much like that. Right. So I love those quotes. Um. Yeah, that's really good stuff. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and you can also note in the chart there's like a stellium of Scorpio planets, so there may be a bit of that deep diving as well. Of you know, sometimes people with like a bunch of Scorpio planets like have more of the experience of like sort of going very deeply or going to the bottom and then coming back up and being able to do that and finding the ability to do that. Right. Definitely. Um, and also, she they, they mentioned losing cats, and it's worth mentioning that just sometimes when the eighth house transits happen and the experience of mortality comes up, that can come in many different forms, right. but that doesn't necessarily make it less notable or less impactful on the native because mm-hmm. their reflection and process of dealing with mortality in their life at that time becomes part of what that transit's about, and that can be meaningful in, in a number of different ways. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, so that's the eighth house example. Um, then I think we move to the ninth house after that with a Taurus rising example. So this one is going to be Taurus rising with Saturn in the ninth house and ruling the tenth house as well. And so those ninth house significations we talked about, um, foreign lands or travel, cross-cultural experiences, religion, philosophy, astrology traditionally, and then bringing in some of those 10th house significations of career, public reputation, what you're known for, things of that nature. Right. And this is a first Saturn return. So we're back to um, Neptune and Uranus being with Saturn, at least in the same sign. And then this mm-hmm. person also has Mars there as well in a day chart. In a day chart, yes. Ruling the 7th house of partnership and 12th house of endings or loss um, or solitude. So this person said, They moved to the US in 2011 to study fashion and then got to work in the industry and got a work visa for that. And that that would be like Saturn and Libra, right? Yes, it would. So that was the waning Saturn square square. before the first Saturn return, which is significant to the topics of the ninth house of foreign places. Yeah, it sets up and also sets up the topic for the Saturn return as part of the ongoing Saturn story. So that's just one example where we're not going through with most of these, but just how the Saturn return sometimes refers back to what happened earlier and the other hard aspects in the cycle. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So she wrote, I finished my program in 2012, and in 2013, I was lucky enough to find a company that would sponsor my working visa so that I could stay here after I graduated and start my fashion career. Everything was going great. I have my dream job in my dream industry. 
But then she wrote that the work visa meant only being able to work for that one employer and no one else or not do anything on her own. And it also had to be renewed every three years with costly lawyer and filing fees every single time. Um, that it was stressful to not have longer term stability in terms of knowing that you could stay for a long time and that she also couldn't get a mortgage with a work visa. Um, and I, so I like, by the way, the signification there fashion career mm -hmm. and that she yeah. has um, Taurus rising with the Venus in Aquarius in the 10th whole sign house. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's perfect. Okay. Go back, <laughs> to the, back to the narrative. Okay. Um, so much of the transit, so she wanted to try to get a green card um, to alleviate some of those problems that came with having to renew that work visa every three years and not being able to work for herself, not being able to work for any other employers, et cetera. So much of this Saturn return transit was about her legal status, um, filing the green card application, then the green card application taking longer than expected, which is a Saturn thing, delays, right? Um, delays. The ninth house is also um, the legal system oftentimes. We didn't mention that earlier. So that's very much um, um, significant to this particular example. And then when the green card application got delayed, then she had to hurry another work visa renewal um, and was very stressed out about that. So it was lots of ninth house legal and um, yeah, legal status basically. But is this, so is this in the Saturn return? This is prior, yeah. prior No, this is all during the Saturn return. Okay. And she thought, she said that her Saturn return experience would be about actually getting her green card. Um, also during her Saturn return, she was rethinking her career in fashion, um, which is interesting of course, because Saturn is also ruling the 10th house of career, even though it's not transiting there, there quite yet, okay. um, except for the few months. She considered going to grad school for an MBA, but decided it wasn't financially workable. And then she wrote, in mid-June, I received very sad news that my green card application was denied. I kind of expected it, given how anti-immigrant the current government is. Still, it was a big blow. Since, since I asked myself, am I not good enough? Did I not work hard enough to deserve this? The officer reviewing my case was not convinced I deserved this. I just accepted the result, knowing that it may be part of my Saturn return story and Saturn emphasizing limitations. And I was also noting that Mars is brought into the ninth house, which significantly colors that. Yeah, and the day chart because it yeah. means the most difficult planet in the charts in the ninth house. Right, exactly, versus just Saturn. Um, and, and we forgot to open this up by giving 10th house significations, even though we shifted there, right? I said them, but we just didn't picture them. Okay, well, here's yeah. the diagram. So 10th house, career, actions, reputation, public, and obviously that is combining and coming into relevance here with the ninth house in the context of this person's chart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the work visa. That's very like legal status tied to career. Yeah. Um, around September, I decided to seriously pursue astrology since it's something I'm so passionate about. I feel like now is the time to study. I can't make money from other sources yet until I get my green card, but now is the time to set myself up so that in the future, when I can legally have more than one source of income, I will have professional knowledge in astrology. And so like towards the end of her Saturn return, she decided to study astrology more seriously, which is also very like Saturn in the ninth for study in general, but also astrology specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the implication is that you can um, try again, basically like start the process over for the green card. Okay. And so there's like a possibility in the future is just not happening during the Saturn return. I mean, that's funny because, you know, September, the timing, September of 2020, of course, a few mm. months ago was when Saturn, Saturn stationed. Station. Yeah. It made its last station at like 25 Capricorn and started moving forward again. So that was the last time it would get as close as it could to her natal Saturn degree at 22 Capricorn. Mm -hmm, exactly. 
Okay. Yeah. And it, or I guess actually on top of that, it also would have been stationing on the degree of her midheaven at 24 mm-hmm. Capricorn. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All of that. Um, yeah. So that was it. Um, I thought that was a very striking Saturn in the ninth example tied to the 10th house with the legal status, studying astrology, the legal status tied to career um, or work with mm-hmm. Saturn ruling the 10th. Um, revisioning what you want to do for work, studying anew for that, all of those things. Yeah. Also, the natal Mars-Saturn conjunction in Capricorn in the ninth whole sign house, but also conjunct the degree of the midheaven and having that, that would be like a very frustrating thing Mm. that's like taking a very long time and having like the gears of bureaucracy and how, how slowly they revolve. And then at the end of that, to only get rejected, you know, mm-hmm. un- unnecessarily, right. is a very like Saturn Mars type um, type manifestation. Yeah, things going more slowly than you expect to come about, frustration of ambitions, things of that nature. Right. Yeah. Um, though it's important to note, it hasn't been only that because she did actually was able to travel abroad to study and then get into her career line successfully early on. And Mm so it's important to note that it wasn't only those pieces in this person's life experience. Definitely. Um, Especially with the Ascendant Ruler in the 10th really strongly placed. Mm -hmm. So that is that example. Um, And then we have 10th. So we're switching to 10th house, 11th house groupings. Mm -hmm. So we've already mentioned our 10th house significations of career actions reputation and public as opposed to the fourth house, which is private. The 11th house significations traditionally are things like friends, groups, alliances, and hopes or wishes for the future. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be an Aries rising chart for the next example. And Saturn placed in the 10th house. This is a day chart. Saturn and Capricorn in the 10th with Neptune and Uranus, also Mercury, Venus and the sun. So like huge stellium in the 10th house in Capricorn. So this one said um, during her sudden return, she graduated from social work school and became a cl- clinical practitioner. So career is just front and center during the sudden return as we would expect with it in the 10th house of career and public reputation. Um, later and of course, notably, if Saturn is transiting the 10th, it's right after Saturn transiting transited the 9th of study. And so oftentimes that does happen where people have a Saturn return in the 10th. It's a culmination of what they've been already studying for for the few years before that, which is the case here. Hmm. Um, Also, she said later in the Saturn return, she started sex therapy school. And I thought that was interesting because the sun is also in Capricorn in the 10th, ruling the fifth house. And sexuality is one of the fifth house topics placed in the 10th house of career. So she was starting to bring in after she became licensed, um, she was also going to additionally study sex therapy to bring into her career with the ruler of the fifth and the tenth with her Saturn. Okay. Um, other things, she broke up with her partner of five years during her Saturn return. And Venus is the ruler of the seventh house of partnership, also placed in the tenth house with Saturn. So that's also going to be like a, you know, um, when you get the ruler of the seventh, whether it's Venus or not, um, with Saturn, then during the Saturn return, it is often like a make or break. Like you bring it to the next level, like get engaged or something to get married, or you find irreconcilable differences and separate. Yeah, the the 
classic testing phase. Yeah. Um, and let's mention the degrees really quickly because they may mm. be relevant here. So it's like 20 Aries rising for those listening to the audio version. And um, Saturn is at what, 17 Capricorn, Venus is at 28 Capricorn, and the Sun is at 29 Capricorn. Mm hmm. Right. So there's a lot like close together at the end there, middle to the end of the degrees. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, and that was most of it. The last thing was also I bought a house and Jupiter natally is in Cancer in the fourth whole sign house opposite that Saturn stellium. And we did, as we've mentioned, have those eclipses bouncing back and forth during the Saturn transit between Cancer and Capricorn. Mm -hmm. So there, were move there was movement in the fourth house of home and family living situation as well as the 10th house of career. And Jupiter is the most positive planet in a day chart. It's also exalted here in the fourth house. So she successfully got like a new living situation during this time. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty good. Mm hmm Okay. Well, that's a good example of, yeah, drawing in the rulers of the houses, having the ruler of the fifth and the tenth. Mm-hmm. Um, ruler of the seventh and the tenth as well. Ruler of the seventh of the tenth and that, that becoming relevant in the Saturn return and then also both the opposition of Saturn return opposing some of the fourth house planets, but also the eclipses and having growth in that area with the, the most positive benefic there. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So that's our 10th house example. Okay. And that's our one 10th house example, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's transition into talking about the 11th house. So here's our diagram for the 11th house, which is friends, groups, alliances, and hopes. And then when Capricorn is on the cusp of the eight, the 11th house, that means Aquarius and Saturn rules the 12th house as well, which is things like enemies, sickness, loss, seclusion, as well as presumably some more positive things. Yeah, positive, positive solitude. And okay, solitude, that's a good Sometimes one. solitary spiritual practices if it's really positive 12th house. Gotcha. All right, so let's go to our 11th house example. Okay. Which is, is it this one? Uh, yeah. It's got a little bit of Capricorn in this chart. <laughs> right. So there's a Pisces rising chart with uh, the sun just above the ascendant by a couple degrees. This should be a day chart with Saturn in Capricorn in the 11th house, along with Uranus, Neptune, Mars, Venus, and the moon. <laughs> That's quite a, quite a stellium there. Yeah, it's like... Somebody sneezed on like that part of the chart, and there's like a bunch of <laughs> Capricorn that's all like like in the that quadrant. That, <laughs> that quadrant that is not a positive <laughs> explanation for that. All right, what is your what is your analogy <laughs> for the stellium? Um, I mean, um, I say that as somebody who has a Scorpio, a similar looking Scorpio stellium, where it looks like somebody right. sneezed on the top part of my chart in the tenth house. True. To be fair. Yes. Yes. <laughs> What's your? I was going to say a beautiful painting where someone lovingly spent a lot of extra attention right there in that little quadrant. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> very similar to what I was saying. <laughs> totally. Okay. So the eleventh house. Okay. Um. So let me see the description here. Okay. This person wrote, "I don't have an exciting story, but I'm just now realizing that the partner I met during this time period directly contributed to significantly isolating me from social life." A year and a half before COVID, I started the most isolated period of my life up to this point and basically had almost zero social life. I've also let go of a lot of past relationships during this time. Really looking forward to that constricted energy opening up. 
Okay, so that's already, we, we have more, but um, that's already interestingly evoking both the Saturn and the 11th mm-hmm. um, of a restriction from social life during that, tr- that um, placement being emphasized, as well as Saturn ruling the 12th house, and it actually lighting up the ruler of the 7th house of partnership in the 12th house, interestingly. So because Saturn is transiting, Saturn is ruling the ruler of the 7th here in the 12th house. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you know that's a stellium in the eleventh house already. So that was like the initial paragraph that they sent me in the first email, mm-hmm. and then I wrote asking for clarification, and I I said something like, you know, prior to this transit, would you say that you were a very social person, having mm-hmm. or that friends were important to you, having that many planets in the eleventh house, right? Right. And they and so, wrote back saying yes. Yeah. So they wrote back saying prior to, so elaborating a little more, prior to the transit, I had a tendency to always go out go in and out of multiple social circles and groups. Um, which kind of reminds me of the Uranus in the eleventh, honestly. Um my life has always involved meeting a lot of new people everywhere I go. Kind of that Aquarian Uranian energy too of being friends with all types of people from many different places. I had a lot of initiative in that regard, organizing events, hitting people up, etc. I do have Mars there as well, and the moon wanting to play host. I also worked in the film industry, which is all about projects and working with a different group of people each time. That's kind of interesting. Mm. So there's like something structurally there um, about like lots of different groups of people. Um, So let's see. Uh, They also wrote, not sure how relevant this is to 11th house, but I also speak multiple languages, travel a lot. I've always had that foreign international influence in my life. During this transit, it's like all of that suddenly came to a standstill, like how we currently have no social life and opportunities to mingle with different people or to travel because of COVID. My transit has basically been like an extended version of COVID. I became a completely different person, or rather started living a completely different, uh, in parentheses, isolated lifestyle. In terms of the 12th house, there's definitely been a major cleaning house energy in relation to my social groups. I have a feeling that going forward, my social circles will be entirely new and not the same ones I had before. I've let go of those attachments in favor of people that are more in alignment with my values and purpose. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot going on there. I mean, obviously with the stellium there and with the rulerships of all of those other houses ruled by those planets in Capricorn, but you can just hear a lot of that Saturn in the 11th primarily. Yeah, that Saturn in the 11th and just whatever that initial statement was of becoming much more isolated from starting the most isolated period of my life up to that point mm-hmm. and basically having almost zero social life mm-hmm. yeah for which would be much more difficult for somebody with a lot of planets in the 11th house yeah definitely i mean and it's kind of interesting in that it's a day chart Example, and so normally you would think more constructive Saturn, 11th house stuff going on, but there's a pretty close applying a Mars conjunction to Saturn, and Mars is the more challenging planet in a day chart. Yeah. So that's an element of what's going on here as well. But it's also just like Saturn transiting like most of the planets in one's chart at once within mm-hmm. a few years, which I think is a lot of what I'm hearing in that description. Yeah. Um, and then Pluto's going over some at the same time, and mm-hmm. then of course, the COVID lockdowns coincided with that huge pileup in Capricorn mm-hmm. when Mars and Jupiter and Saturn were going through there. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so then then there's also those elements coming in of the rulership of the 12th house of solitude as well. Right. One of the things that's interesting about this being a day chart 
is with like Venus is there and Saturn's ruling the ascendant and it's in Cancer opposing that stuff. But um, I've seen some charts where I remember one chart really distinctly where it was just Saturn in the eleventh house and in the night chart, and mm. the person didn't. They sort of had an aversion to social groups and mm -hmm. an aversion to making friends, and it didn't really go for them, or they right. tended to avoided it. They were somebody. They were into astrology and did that as a career, but they like didn't like going to conferences because they didn't like being in large groups of people mm. and had. One of the things that we actually haven't talked about very much is, but one of the modern significations of Saturn, which comes up pretty often, is like fear. Mm -hmm. And Saturn in the eleventh house and in a night chart, and the person had like fears and a lot of trepidation surrounding friends and groups for different right. reasons. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting with this one that that's not you know being a day chart with Saturn in its own sign in the eleventh house as much of an issue. Um, it's just it, it almost becomes this temporary period of the person's life where. That gets cut off and shut down um, temporarily, partially due to the transit. Mm -hmm, definitely. And there was another piece that was more long term. They were evoking, like, in the future, I have a feeling I'll probably be friends with different people than I have in the past, and like, sort of reevaluating one's friendships or friend groups and maybe um, leaving some behind, which is a pretty common Saturn return in the 11th, I've seen. Right. Um, yeah, the sort of the natural ending of some friendships sometimes. And then, you know, sometimes when it's more of a struggle with Saturn in the 11th, it's like the Saturn return period becomes about like like in more of what you were just talking about with a different example um, of having like a push to like figure this out. Like, how can I be in community? How can I have friendships or go to like group events, you know, even mm -hmm. if it's really not comfortable for me? Right. So that can be another Saturn return in the 11th experience. Yeah, and then I like that they also used the word um, letting go, mm -hmm. which is a good yeah. uh, common Saturn transit and especially Saturn return theme mm -hmm. of letting go of something. And they said, I've let go of a lot of past relationships during this time. Right, exactly. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. All right, so that is our one 11th house example that we wanted to do, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then I think we had a couple left from the um, plethora of 12th house ones earlier on okay. that we left for the end, which I believe are slides 18 and 19, if you want to go back to that. And let me find those as well. Okay. Um, what are the placements? Um, so the first one should be... Is this it? Yeah, that one. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let me just grab that story again real quick. So this is going to be, so we're kind of coming back full circle, almost full circle at this point. We mentioned a few of the 12th house ones at the very beginning because it was crossing over with the first house examples. Mm -hmm. And now we have a couple at the end here of more Aquarius rising where it, Saturn is ruling the first but placed in the 12th house in Capricorn. So this first one, she wrote at the beginning of her Saturn return, Lots of things needed to change in my life, but I just continued to run around in circles, unable to break free from the relationship I needed to break free from or from vicious cycle of procrastination and self-destructive habits. For example, I was a smoker and wanted to quit, but just couldn't. I developed severe anxiety as well. I was lost, confused, unhappy with myself and my life. My self-esteem re reached an all-time low. I was never a believer or spiritual person, but yoga had started to become a big part of my life. So 
<clears throat> this starts to bring in the bodily habits and also the sort of solitude spiritual practice of the 12th. I see yoga sometimes come up in the 6th and the 12th, but sometimes it can be in the 12th when it's more of a, a spiritually oriented practice. Yeah, also anxiety. Anxiety for sure, 12th house, yeah. Like kicking addictions. Mm -hmm. um, self, she actually mentioned self-destructive habits, mm -hmm. and the smoking was an example. Right, so pretty on par so far with 12th house stuff. I started going to psychotherapy and continued to go through the whole of 2018. It was a time of digging deep in my subconscious, my childhood wounding, I lost my father at age 12, etc. I craved loneliness and alone time a lot, which was a quote I know you liked and pulled out there. Yeah, I cr that was like one of my the my favorite quotes that was sent in in this entire series of emails that we received of like 100 emails was mm. What was it again? Was that it? It was just like very, mm -hmm. it was a very brief sentence. It I, was just I craved loneliness and alone time a lot. Yeah, I craved loneliness and alone time a lot, and that's such a great twelfth house um, signification that you don't expect, and that's very mm. hard to articulate when you're standing outside of it. But then all of a sudden, when you're inside of a heavy twelfth house transit, you suddenly understand what that means. Um, whether it's you know a major Saturn transit like this, or whether it's like a twelfth house perfection, or other things like that, but just sometimes it can be forced on the person. Like sometimes mm -hmm. it's like compulsory, but other times there can be a deep des desire that comes from within the person to go within and to to pull back. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um. She wrote, I tried to change a lot of things, but I could not let go of that relationship, even though it was ruin ruining my mental health. I could not let go of cigarettes, procrast procrastination, and bad habits like that. I entered a PhD program, and I was becoming more and more drawn to spiritual stuff, yoga, meditation, Zen Buddhism. So again, there's a bunch of 12th house sort of spiritual practice, sol positive solitude pieces there, mm -hmm. um, but also the, the some of the self-undoing and struggling with that. Then she wrote she was hospitalized for a month and unexpectedly diagnosed with multiple sclerosis after developing some very weird symptoms um, over a period of time. And again, that's the 12th house sort of less positive, you know, signification of like chronic illness. Mm -hmm. um, she wrote in the hospital, but she had some positive experiences nonetheless. Um, in the hospital, I experienced epiphany. I felt free from my own shit. I did not smoke, not a single puff from the 20th of June, 2019. I started to love myself and care for myself, my body and my health. I became very disciplined, took some time off from PhD studies and from the world essentially. Soon the whole world took time off. So it was very easy for me to isolate, contemplate, reflect and dedicate myself to changing my life. I've gained clarity, confidence, vision, purpose. I found myself again. I also found astrology in the period following my diagnoses. Spirituality became a huge focus in my life. It seems like my life was disintegrating up until May of 2019 when things culminated. And after that, things started to turn for the better, much better. And that happened because of all the hardships, not just in spite of them. My identity was falling apart. Everything was falling apart until I was left with a blank slate to start all over. And I thought that was like a beautiful, evocative ending mm -hmm. of the first house ruler in the 12th house. Yeah, yeah, that's really good and really beautiful. So for those listening to the audio version, it's Aquarius rising with Saturn at 18 degrees of Capricorn in the 12th house, 
um, somewhat loosely conjunct Uranus at 5 Capricorn and Neptune at 11 Capricorn, and this is a day chart Saturn. Mm-hmm. Right. So even though it was a day chart Saturn, you know, she still got a chronic diagnosis at that time, and yet also had a lot of the positives of 12th house um, significations, the positive spiritual practices, sort of positive letting go of things. Mm. Um, yeah. So, and then lots of solitude. She did have hospitalization. That's also a, you know, more concrete 12th house thing. Um, but I, yeah, I just love the end of it. And she also, I was noting, she said, I, it seems my life was dis disintegrating up until May of 2019 when things culminated. And after thing, after that, things turned for the better. And that was actually close to one of the exact degree um, returns. Okay. Around May 2019. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of like, I mean, it's not a best case scenario in terms of like no one wants a chronic diagnosis, but in terms of like personal development, it sounded like particularly positive for her. Mm -hmm. um, and the kind of, and I, you know, I'm flagged this uh, several examples back, but also the, the positives of disintegrating something that's old and needs to sort of fall apart in order to rebuild in a healthier or more revised, more authentic fashion for who you are at this point in time. Yeah, letting go of that which you need to let go of in order to um, begin again anew. Right. And it was just interesting that at the end, she was actually specifically referencing that her identity was falling apart with it ruling the first in the 12th. Mm, I like that. So yeah, like not that extreme, but like ego, yeah. ego death or loss of self. Right. Until she was left with a blank slate to start all over, which is like a very, you know, it's one of the more positive sort of outcomes of a Saturn transit. That's good. So ruler of first house of self in the 12th house of loss and loss of self. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's good. So that's a great example. Thank um, you for contributing. Yeah, thanks a lot for that. That also brings up one of the other things it emphasizes how sometimes um, you know, that you have that axis of the 12th and the 6th and the dif differentiation between the two where based on the planetary joys scheme, I tend to associate uh, well, there's two distinctions. One of them is like um, sixth house as more short-term injuries, and sixth house and twelfth house as more long-term chronic ailments mm -hmm. um, as tendencies. Let's right. just say, just tendencies. It doesn't always have to go that way because you can find one or the other in both. Yeah. But then also sometimes the sixth house being typically due to the joys more physical ailments versus I think in ancient astrology. The houses were originally conceptualized as the twelfth, maybe having more to do with what they conceptualized at the time as like spiritual or um, psychic or intellectual ailments of like the mind. Sometimes, so mm. the, men the mention of like severe anxiety to me right. reminded me of sometimes the twelfth house and sometimes um, sort of like mental ailments. Or I'm not sure how else to put that. Yeah, like mental health challenges you know whether you know at what le whatever level of severity or not severity i definitely see more in the 12th and the 6th they see physical ailments actually go both in both mm -hmm. and you can see she had both in the 12th right yeah yeah um but yeah definitely the anxiety that's a 12th house thing okay and we have one one last one oh yeah good one one more to end the 12th house with. Yes. 
So this is going to be another Aquarius rising, Saturn in the 12th in Capricorn. This is a second Saturn return, so no co-presence of Uranus and Neptune. This actually is Saturn in the um, 12th in between both benefics. Um, Jupiter is earlier in Capricorn and Venus is slightly after Saturn and in a day chart. So this is like a fairly positive looking 12th house mm -hmm. um, just at the outset without hearing anything. And this is kind of a quick and fun example. Um, this person wrote, after years of intense involvement with a horse barn this last January when my Saturn return went exact, something flipped and I just couldn't stand being there anymore. Then I read that traditionally the 12th house rules large animals. Strange but true. <laughs> and that's, you know, possibly the most fun 12th house Saturn return example I've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although she experienced it, it's just like, I have to get away from yes. this. I don't want to be here anymore. Absolutely. And it's funny because this is, um, she has the benefics there. So it was something she, I guess, had enjoyed up until that point. Right. But then also we have Mars opposing natally in a day chart pretty close to the degree. Like Mars mm -hmm. is at 17, True. Cancer in the sixth, opposing Saturn at 16, Capricorn in the 12th. And suddenly, like wanting to get out of that, no longer mm -hmm. wanting to. Wanting to let go of of right. that, and and we think that's funny, and it's funny as astrologers, just because the sixth house is traditionally associated with pets, and one of the funny, like weird significations you often see in traditional texts. I think going back even in like Rhetorius, I want to say in the sixth or seventh century, says that large animals are are assigned to the twelfth house, mm -hmm. and like horses and stuff, right. and it's one of those significations that you read in translations, and that just seems like weird, and why. Is that assigned there, and what good is that? And then sometimes, like you get an example chart like this, and it's actually very relevant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and this isn't the first I've seen of that kind of example. Um, yeah, and I thought it was a great example for both of those reasons. Um, that you know, with Saturn in a day chart with both the benefics and the twelfth, this was something that she she said after years of intense involvement there, and so this was an area of life that she had committed a lot of time and energy towards and mm -hmm. that was like a positive for a while for right. a long time for her um but then there is you know the next cycle and even things that have been positive or you've invested a lot into sometimes you feel differently when the sudden return comes around and so yes thus leaving the, the horse born right which <laughs> i love it <laughs> applies to other areas because sometimes that happens in like all of the different areas. There are sometimes because it's the ending of the cycle, you mm -hmm. find yourself, and sometimes people don't anticipate it. They right. just like get to the Saturn return, and then all of a sudden, there's something that they'd always taken for granted that suddenly either they want to leave and end, or that leaves them and ends for mm -hmm. some reason. And sometimes, right. if it's like Saturn in the seventh, that can be a relationship or. Saturn in the tenth, it can be a career. Saturn in the fourth, it can be a living situation. But then suddenly, you find yourself there. Sometimes yourself intentionally wanting to leave that thing, mm -hmm. right? And get out of the the horse barn, so to speak. I'm going to use that analogy from now on. Okay. Yes. Nobody will understand. <laughs> no, no, they except won't. <laughs> everyone on that listens to the podcast. Yeah, exactly. All right. So that is that is our examples. Mm -hmm. So we've done it. We've somehow gone through all twelve houses. All of them. Um, all right. Let's tr quickly transition into what, for some bizarre reason, we were going to mention, like the Saturn and Aquarius stuff. We were looking forward to, mm -hmm. and we were going to mention um, other resources. Right. So let's transition Saturn in Aquarius. 
the age of Saturn and Aquarius is about to begin. <laughs> right, we can agree on that. <laughs> the age of Saturn and Aquarius. Yeah. Um, when is it starting? So the Saturn return in Aquarius actually started already um, as of March 21st, 2020. It dipped in for a few months there from late March until July 1st of this year. Um, so there was a little preview, and technically, you know, in the way that we approach Saturn returns, that means that everyone with Saturn in Aquarius natally, your Saturn return has already started upon that ingress. Um, yeah. And we've seen that actually in lots of charts, like evidenced um, by things suddenly being in process related to those Saturn returns. Right. So that was the beginning. And for some people, if you have like Saturn at very early Aquarius, like the first degree or two, that might have even been the most intense part mm. for you. Um, but in terms of the broader scheme, Saturn and Aquarius people, your Saturn return begins, it began back in late March of 2020, and it ends three years later on March 7th of 2023. Mm -hmm. So that's the next crop of like Saturn returns that we're looking for. We've already got our eyes, as we always do, on some upcoming celebrity ones um, that are coming up. But let's see, before we get to that, so it's going to begin in full on December 17th mm -hmm. here in the next week. One of the things that's nice for this phase of it is in the spring, like earlier this year in 2020, it kind of sucked that Mars went into Aquarius at the same time. So it was kind yeah, of a rough beginning definitely. for many of the people with Saturn in Aquarius. Luckily, the good news is that Jupiter is going to move into Aquarius this month in December of 2020, and it's going to spend most of the first year of Saturn fully in Aquarius going through that sign. Mm -hmm. So that should help to like moderate some of the Saturn return experience for the first year. Absolutely, and especially for day chart people, but for to some to some extent for everyone, um, because Jupiter sort of expands and brings opportunities versus Saturn constraining and requiring more hard work. So it's a little bit more tempering of the first full year of the Saturn transit in Aquarius, and particularly compared to the Mars Saturn transit in the spring. So if your Saturn return did start in the spring in, in Aquarius, don't worry that it's always going to be as rough as it might have been for you in the spring. It will probably be a bit better than that. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, some of the Saturn returns coming up. I'm looking forward to personally, Miley Cyrus has Saturn in Aquarius. I think I believe she's Taurus rising with Saturn in the tenth house. Mm -hmm. Pretty well bonafide. So um, I think that's going to be a good one. I'm, be I'm betting on more constructive Saturn return, even if some setbacks initially, it being like a growth and coming into a new phase of adulthood, mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting in terms of seeing. Sort of child stars who try to make that transition into becoming successful as adults mm -hmm. in a specific industry. And some um, are successful and some are not successful, but I think that'll be a pretty decent one. Mm -hmm. And remember, all of these for Saturn and Aquarius examples are again going to be Saturn in its own sign. So these two whole cohorts um, have a little bit of a leg up on the Saturn return. Right. So let's see what else. Just really quickly, like Francis Bean Cobain is mm -hmm. another Saturn return story that's coming up in Aquarius. Some of these I'm just mentioning because it's kind of weird because I feel old that, <laughs> you know, uh, that's my Saturn transit of um, the people that from when we were younger were just like babies are now mm -hmm. in their Saturn returns. Right. And that's kind of weird. Well, I feel even older because these aren't even people I've been tracking. Oh, so. okay. You have no idea who these people are. I mean, are. I know who they are. Uh, who is Kurt Cobain? <laughs> um, so yeah, so another one. One I know you've had your eye on for a while is uh, the vice president elect. Yes, Kamala Harris has her Saturn return having started in the ninth house, um, which is interesting because government can sometimes go there. 
Well, and then politics. we have an interesting then trade-off because it means the person who's about to be the vice president starting in January um, is having their Saturn return start, mm -hmm. and then the outgoing vice president, Mike Pence, had Saturn and I believe an early Capricorn. Yeah. So his Saturn return is just ending as he's leaving office. Right. So that's right. kind of an interesting trade-off. Yeah. The beginnings and endings, again, coming back to Saturn significations. Yeah. Uh, next one. Uh, so Ralph Nader is another one coming up that oh, yeah. I think you wrote. That's a third Saturn return. Mm -hmm. um, Jim Carrey. Well, uh, Michelle Obama is one you're oh. looking oh, at, Oh, I missed that. Right? Yeah, Michelle Obama, which is interesting because it's right after her husband's. Right. You know, and- that's got to be rough. That's like a six-year, you know, span of like each of them having Saturn returns in succession. Um, but it's interesting that she actually already wrote a memoir. So I'm actually during the Saturn Capricorn transit, but she has a Sun in Capricorn, so it kind of makes sense. Okay. Um, so I'm curious to what the her actual Saturn return will look like. Yeah, and we don't have her birth time, so we don't know what houses it's in. No, some of these we don't have any real specifics. Um, we yeah. just know in general. Um, yeah. So comedian Jim Carrey is going to have his second Saturn return. Mm -hmm. World chess champion Gary Kasparov is going to have his, uh, it can't be third, so it must be second must be Saturn second, return. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Comedian Conan O'Brien is going to have his second Saturn return. Um, Roman Polanski, there's two that actually might not go well. Roman Polanski and Johnny Depp are both going to have their, um, Polanski is going to have his third and Johnny mm -hmm. Depp his second Saturn return. Yeah, That could be um, tricky. The World Wide Web, I've talked about a lot this year because I saw, we already saw some instances of it when Saturn first dipped into Aquarius in the spring and some interesting like challenges mm -hmm. coming up in terms of the internet, in terms of like regulation and, and yeah. what are the rules and the free flow of information. But the World Wide Web, like the first website was launched with Saturn and Aquarius. Mm -hmm. So we're having the Saturn return of that now. And it's been interesting. I just, just, um, uh, recently, like, because like Google, for example, or YouTube has banned some videos having to do with like COVID denialism, and now I think recently banned videos that are like disputing the election and stuff like that. And it's yeah. interesting seeing companies on the internet putting rules and restrictions like that, and then mm -hmm. there's sometimes reactions to that with right. people going to different platforms and. It'll be interesting to see that play out over the course of the next three years. Right. With Aquarius kind of, you know, being the Saturn ruled air sign about like social systems and how we navigate those. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that'll be interesting. Um, you pointed out that the U United States Constitution is Saturn and Aquarius. It does. And I think that will be, I mean, of course, it's had Saturn returns before every approximate 30 years, but I think that coinciding with the Pluto return of the US may be more important. Right. Um, the European Union, Saturn mm -hmm. and Aquarius, and that's interesting. And of course, you know, we had Brexit a few years ago, right. and some of that's fully going into place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like during Saturn and Aquarius, we'll be going fully into place. Okay. And then one of the ones that you had followed um, this year that was sad was was Ruth Bader Ginsburg had uh, Saturn and Aquarius. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those instances where you could see it starting already. And sometimes with people's third Saturn returns, you know, people are in their late 80s at that point. So no matter where it's placed in the chart, that can, you know, the limits of physical, you know, manifestation can sometimes weigh on the the human body at that point. Right. So in other words, a physical decline um, for some people. Yeah, there was like Ram Das had Saturn, Cancer rising with Saturn in the seventh house and ruling the eighth house. 
and he passed away very close to his exact Saturn returning Capricorn. I didn't use mm. him as an example here, but yeah. was was one like that sort of similar? Right. All right, we've done it. We've made it to the end of this. Uh, our Saturn returns in Capricorn retrospective. We'll return again like we did. We did our last one exactly three years ago in December of 2017. Wow. So with any luck, we'll be back in three years to check in with the Saturn and Aquarius people, the fol- Saturn and Aquarius folks, and see how this three-year period treated them. So take mm-hmm. your notes over the next three years and document it, and good luck, and let us know you know, at the end of that how things go, and perhaps we'll feature you on the show if we make it back here to do this again. In three years. Thanks to all of the people who sent in yeah. um, examples. That was great. We appreciate you. Sorry we didn't get back to everybody. I didn't even really wasn't even able to respond to everybody that we ended up using. So I hope right. everybody sees this. Mm-hmm. Feel free to comment below if your story was used, if you want to expand on it in any way. Um, and thanks to everyone who wrote in just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, further resources for study. So there's Lisa and I did an old blog that I, like I mentioned called SaturnReturnStories.com. Still a bunch of good articles and news and other information and like inf- infor- informational things there about how to calculate your Saturn returns, Saturn return start and end dates for different signs, as well as a long article for interpreting Saturn returns. Mm-hmm. And tips for going through your Saturn return, particularly your first. Yeah. You have a lecture on Saturn returns and sect that has lots of good example charts and goes into interpretive principles surrounding that. Mm-hmm. That's really good, as well as mitigating conditions that I would recommend people check out if they want to learn more about our approach to this. I'll put a link to that um, in the description below this video or on the podcast website. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of other episodes of the Astrology Podcast, I'd recommend checking out episode 24 on the astrologypodcast.com or just Google understanding your Saturn return. The Astrology Podcast, and you'll find episode 24 of the Astrology Podcast, which is titled Understanding Your Saturn Return. It was one of the very early episodes of the podcast, and it was yeah. like recorded on a voice recorder, like between us, sitting <laughs> yeah. on on the carpet, our, <laughs> our living room floor. So it's yeah. um, it was way back when vintage episode, <laughs> vintage old school astrology podcast. But that one has some really good information of all of the principles that we just demonstrated and applied here in practice. Also, check out episode 133. One titled Saturn Return in Sagittarius Retrospective. And that one does have better audio as well as a video version. So you can find it on YouTube. We did that with Patrick Watson, and that was our similar retrospective. Well, I think we did a better job here because we were somehow a little bit more prepared. Mm-hmm. But that was still an interesting one for Saturn Returns in Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. Um, other things, last things for resources, check out my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune, which you can get on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or other bookstores everywhere. There's also a Google Books version if you want to learn the basics of the approach to astrology that we outlined in this episode, which is basically Hellenistic astrology mixed with some modern astrology. Um, so you can learn more about that in my book. And finally, my online course in ancient astrology called the Hellenistic Astrology Course, which is available at theastrologyschool.com where I use lots of examples just like this to teach the techniques by showing real-life charts and then talking through how things worked out in people's individual lives. Mm -hmm. So there's like 13 lectures like this one that go into detail about how to interpret charts, looking at the rulers of the houses, bonification and maltreatment conditions, and also a bunch of timing techniques like perfections and zodiac releasing, which are also really important for looking at techniques like like Saturn Returns. Mm All right, I think that's it for this episode. Thanks a lot for doing this with me. Yeah, quite welcome. Yeah, so we did it. Um, all right, and 
Yeah, so we're, we're basically just teaching workshops here at this point. Yes. So <laughs> I want to thank all the patrons who support um, our work here on the Astrology Podcast because they're the ones that support and like fund this and allow us to be able to do this work and set aside not doing consultations or other things so we can like teach mm-hmm. what has become in the show like a free workshop series of four episodes a month for the public and then two private episodes just for patrons. Mm-hmm. So thanks to all our patrons that support this and make it happen. If you use this material and find it useful and you're basically like learning from us, consider donating or becoming a patron in order to support our work and so we can continue to expand our efforts by doing things like getting better equipment, doing transcripts. Uh, last month I hired somebody to make a um, sign language version of one of my videos. Oh yeah, that was so cool. So try, trying to make things more accessible to everybody, mm-hmm. including foreign language translations. So consider signing up for that on our page on Patreon. And um, I think that's it. I think that's it. Any final thoughts? Um, no. No. <laughs> no. Good good wishes to all the people going into their Saturn returns, whether for second or third in Aquarius. Um, congratulations to all the people who are now finishing their Saturn return in a Capricorn by the time this episode comes out, probably. Yeah, good congratulations and happy happy graduation. I think you said mm-hmm. somebody was doing like a Saturn and Capricorn graduation yeah, recently. Yeah, like an actual like Zoom party for that, which is like lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. All right. Well, congratulations, Saturn and Capricorn people. Thanks to everyone who sent in examples. Thanks for watching this video. Mm-hmm. Please be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube, and we'll be back again with Saturn and Aquarius in like three years. Yeah. See you then. <laughs> all right. Thanks everyone for watching, and we'll see you again next time. Thanks to all the patrons that supported the production of this episode of the podcast through our page on Patreon. In particular, thanks to the patrons on our producers tier, including Nate Craddock, Marin Altman, Thomas Miller. Catherine Conroy, Michelle Marillot, Christy Moe, Ariana Amor, Mandy Ray, Angelique Nambo, and Sumo Kopic. For more information about how to become a patron or have your name listed in the credits, please visit patreon.com astrologypodcast. Thanks also to our sponsors, including the Northwest Astrological Conference, which is happening online May 27th through the 31st, 2021, for more information about that, visit norwac.net, as well as the ESAR Astrology Conference, which is happening August 18th through the 22nd, 2021. For more information, visit esar2020.org. The Honeycomb Collective Personal Astrological Almanac, which is available at honeycomb.co. The Portland School of Astrology, which you can find out more information about at portlandastrology.org. The AstroGold Astrology app, available at astrogold.io. And finally, SolarFire Astrology Software, which is available at alabe.com, and you can get a 15% discount on it by using the promo code AP15.